we're in your ears again. And by we, I mean me and a guest. Welcome to the No Friend Podcast, where we have no friends, only buddies. And today, I am joined by Police, sir. Introduce yourself. My name is Frank Uyoa. As I like to call him, Frank Adam Sandal Uyoa. <laughs> You've never done the sandal theme, but that that's a great addition. I because yeah, I was thinking about it before you got here. I was like, all right, I know this guy loves shoes, but Sandler sounds like sandals, so I'm gonna go with that. He looks like Adam Sandler, that's what I'm trying to say, but in a good way. That's good. You you've gone just directly before and said, Yeah, oh, you look like the Mexican Adam Sandler. <laughs> and and I have bits about it, so that's like always been very on on the nose, which I still love, but Sandal is just I can I use that? Dude, all yours. I, I live to give. Like anytime someone says, Let me steal that joke, I'm like, Oh my god, this is something funny. <laughs> and for for context, I, I call them the Mexican Adam Sandler on a stage at an open mic. So like it's not racist, but it's questionable to say in public, I guess, maybe to some. Yeah. Maybe, not me. I don't know. But uh yeah. Uh, Frank, super accomplished comedian slash open micer. I wouldn't want to label, label you as that, but I want to proudly label you a comedian because that's something I don't even have the balls to do, man. I've only been doing this a year. How long have you been doing stand-up? A year. A year, but you're actually good at it. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, is Frank, you got this thing called uh, work ethic, like that thing that Tyler Perry lies about having. You know what I mean? Uh, you actually like progress and like you know like you have a style and i don't know i i, I see i just i see big things for you kid i see big things but that. like i mentioned uh when i bring people on here dude i just want to talk about whatever you want to talk about so like this is me throwing you the metaphorical rock so like dribble like run with it i don't know dude i don't have a whistle so there's no calls here dude that's awesome that that you you notice that work ethic <laughs> yeah man i got eyes <laughs> no, no but like i you know being in the world of stand-up comedy you and like i say being in the world like i'm very much on the outskirts you know like i'm not putting in like as much as a lot of people are which is like hitting like two three mics every day of the week which i really really respect because every time i've asked like to comedians who've been doing it a while you know or some advice they'll always say something like man if you really care about this like go every day for a week and see how you come out on the other side and honestly man I feel like every time I go on stage I get a little bit more comfortable because that's the thing right it's the art of not giving a fuck but at the same time you you want to like you care about what you're saying up there yeah 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 like you want to have like some real shit to say and I don't know. I I feel like your voice comes through as very unique and a lot of people like I I don't I won't even name names but cuz nothing comes to mind but there's just like there's certain stuff that I'm sick of hearing and I haven't even been doing comedy that long. Like that's why I have like bits that I'm working on when I go up on stage where I'm like, "All right, guys, like hold your applause. Like I'm another bearded white guy. Like this is not that exciting, you know? Like there, there's just certain things like Tinder and dating. It's like, LA is crazy. It's like, yeah. yeah. But please say something. <laughs> uh, it's funny you say that because I actually have, th there's certain topics that I just stay away from mm -hmm. for the main reason that, just like you said, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about swiping left, swiping right, and 
Uber and, you know, stuff like that. So when I go on stage, like my, my approach or when I write is just to give people something refreshing because even uh, in my favorite comedians, like uh, to name one, Fahim Anwar. Dude, I just saw him do his hour again at uh, the comedy store two days ago. Is it the hour he's got up on YouTube? It might be because I saw him about a year ago and he did pretty much the same hour. Like, there was a little stuff sprinkled in there that was new. He talked about, he just went to my hometown, D.C., and he said going to see the monuments was like seeing your money in concert. I thought that was fucking hilarious. That is dude. good. It's so, like, that's what I mean, like, just effortless, not giving a fuck, you know? But he is a great comedian. But I'm curious, who are, like, if, and I know this is a dumb question, but, like, who are your, like, top three? One of my buddies, when, he, when we did this podcast, he asked me that, and I want to know what yours are. Uh, my top three, and it's funny because for open micers, and I, I do, I value that that title. Like, that that keeps the work ethic going, you know. Uh, you establish favorites amongst the community. Yeah, for sure. So I've got a lot of favorite comedians that are peers to me that I'm that are also paying $5 to do stage dude, time. Dude, give him a shout out. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a dude named Vince Caldera. Uh, I might not even know him. I may not have seen him. Like I said, dude, like... I don't. I don't have a car, and I know you don't have a car either. Do you? No, I don't. Okay, yeah, but you just, again, you got that work ethic, and I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm too afraid to be that broke. But like, I like to stay here every once in a while. Like, I'll go to like the fourth wall cafe and like expand my horizon. But like, <laughs> I don't go that far, man. Like, I I've been to the improv twice. Some fucking how I got pulled out the bucket and I bombed twice. Uh... So like, I'm glad that I got that under my belt. But like. I, I'm very wary of like, you know, going to other places because it's like I've been going to the haha recently and it seems every mic is very culty, but I, I don't want to get too much off on a tangent. I want to hear like what, who are some of your other your faves out there? Right. So l- let's uh, let's name the people that are like still in the same league as myself, I would mm-hmm. say, because I again, I've been doing it a year. Uh, Vince Caldera is someone that, that I really uh, I really appreciate his writing. Mm-hmm. I think he's funny. Uh, there's a dude named Brendan Cooney. Uh, if you see him, you you might be more familiar. But um, there's these people, and there's a couple more that I can't think off the top of my head. But it, it's just cool to see, like in my first year, where they started. Mm-hmm. Like where I was coming in, and I seen okay, they're already a little bit established, and then to see the progress through that year of like oh they're just getting better at their level you know mm-hmm. like it, it, it's fun to see and uh it's motivating because you know okay if i if i put enough time in that's gonna happen for me too okay but what if you had to name like i appreciate that answer because you know like that's no one else will have that answer and please look into those comedians they're out there and they'll be super happy to hear from you but uh what about like three like more mainstream like when he asked me i think my answer was mitch hedberg definitely number one and then like andy kaufman and like Chappelle, dude like it's it that number two george carlin gets in the mix you know but like really it's mitch hedberg and dave Chappelle for me like they are just and i think i even mentioned fahim too because he is just he's fucking fired amazing yeah um i'm a big fan of hannibal burris yeah dude he he's fucking amazing i saw the uh the eric andre show live at the uh, Adult Swim Festival, and Hannibal Burris was there, dude. At one point, uh, I forget who was performing, but it looked like MF Doom, and it 
the MF Doom mask was on and people bum rushed the stage, ah. it ended up being Hannibal Burris in an MF Doom mask. That's tight. <laughs> it was fucking tight. It was one of those things where I was like, wow, this dude just like trolled like a crowd of 10,000 people and we all bought that shit yeah he's are you a fan of the eric andre show he's definitely up there for me too yeah 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 i think uh i'm a big fan of the whole adult swim and just the kookiness and and weirdness and Mm -hmm. fucking hilarious aspect of it yeah they they are like really unique in their in their genre of of comedy a lot of people i know don't like them but like you can't deny how iconic they are i mean like that whole let me in that whole meme like that was fucking huge it's a whole demographic they're catering to after, almost after hours, you know. Well, yeah, that, it, yeah. it is after hours. That's what it is. Yeah. Do you um do you ever think that um like I think that the stand what do you think of like the whole stand up comedy scene? Because and I'm curious, like I have like a question within a question within a question <laughs> for you. Like this whole scene is in L. A. In particular, it's very. I don't know it's overflowing with talent in a lot of ways and people are coming from like very different walks of life like I'm curious to ask you first I guess like you say you've been doing stand-up comedy for a year like dude I've been acting like for 20 years you know but I still suck at stand-up because it's using like the other side of my brain and I'm I'm not going up there being like some fucking character I'm I'm being me and that's the scariest shit. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, like, do you have any like theater experience, or like, did you just be like, mm, no, man, this is this is me. I'm gonna do the standing up. I do. I have a really interesting story about how I Ooh, tried acting uh, between like 19 and 20. Okay. And I just didn't have the work ethic back then to like continue it. But I did go to school, and I did land one one notable job. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I did a show for the Animal Planet. Okay, uh, which I, I've I've wanted to make a bit just because of how stupid my business mind was at that at that time, but uh, it's one of those shows where uh, you go on there and you reenact or someone reenacts uh, like a a big time animal attack. That's with like two people go up there and like reenact like a buffalo getting killed by an alligator. Exactly. Dude, well, that sounds awesome. Well, a human being attacked by. Uh, an animal and surviving the attack. So wait, there's an animal on set, like your, or is it someone pretending to be an animal? They've got one just for like footage or like B-roll, throwaway, like to cut you know? in between and show shit like that. Okay, because reenactments—that's a really cool thing. I studied that when I was in school, and I I love that shit. I think that a lot of documentaries would be better with reenactments, but I've never heard about this show. Tell me more. It's called uh, well. Yeah, I mean, I'm good. It's called I'm Alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they owe me money, actually, so I don't. I do <laughs> not give a shit. And that's what the, this bit is about um, uh-huh. that I'm thinking about. But, um, yeah, uh, I basically just looked like the guy. Uh-huh. They said, hey, send us a picture of you with your head shaved. I did it. And they're like, oh, man, you look Middle Eastern. Let's let's do it. <laughs> and the okay. story the story is about a dude uh, from the Australian Outback who gets attacked by a redback spider, which Clocky. is supposed to be... I mean, it sounds terrifying. Like, Spider, I'm already afraid. You had a color in, bro, that is fucked up. Right? <laughs> that is too much detail for that spider. And something about that word back. It's like red back, uh, <laughs> silver back. What's with these colors bringing it back, bro? Moist back. And that that's the that's the PC term, but, you know, <laughs> my, my people are familiar. Yeah, but that's cool, man. I didn't know that you did that. Do you do a background or anything like that? 
I have. There's a couple projects. Uh, I was a background actor in the semi-pro movie with uh, Will really? Ferrell. Yeah. Dude, I love that movie. What scene are you in? Uh, it's... They filmed a couple scenes that day, but there's like an alley-oop scene where, where Andre 3000's character is Coffee supposed Black. To, Coffee Black, yeah. Yeah, and um, that we didn't get paid for, but... Uh, where did they shoot that? Was that in L.A.? Yeah, that was... There, there's like a church right near Dodger Stadium. You could see it off the freeway mm. uh, that they actually use for, for filming. They, they built this whole basketball arena in that small place. No shit. Yeah, that's, that's one of those Will Ferrell movies, and this is a movie-focused podcast where it's like, whatever the fuck. Like, whenever I record alone, so I'm totally happy to talk about movies, but that's one of those movies, man, that... Not gonna lie, dude. Like, of all those Will Ferrell movies, that's one I actually genuinely like. I feel like it has a lot of personality. Yeah, absolutely. Like, as opposed to something like I've gotten into arguments with comedians I didn't think it was possible about, like movies like Step Brothers. I'm like, guys, like someone rubbing their ball sack on something <laughs> is not genius. Like. Anchorman is brilliant. Semi-Pro has some hilarious moments. There's a bear. That's funny. But, like, bro, like, some of those movies, like, I I really can't stand. Shout out to Will Ferrell if he uh, ever comes across this. But, like, Sherlock Holmes. And he will. <laughs> he will, for sure. I'm going to send it right to him. But uh, let's see what I have written down here. Um, you, um, I looked at your Instagram. And just to shift gears here, talk more about you. Your self-proclaimed liker of Kanye. Oh, man. Big, big time Kanye. Yeah? Yeah. My roommate is, too, a little bit. Oh, you can't. Yeah, you can see a little bit. He's got stacks of those shoes, whatever. His, the Yeezys, if you will. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's, he's a big bit. But but tell me, like, you, you still, that's that's brave, bro. Hashtag brave. It's brave. Uh, but I, I feel like I, I, I have to clarify the elements of Kanye that I do like, you know, because sure. uh, there was another comedian that I met recently and I went to add him to follow his Instagram and he's a black man. Uh, <laughs> so that's important to know. In the bio, it says former Kanye apologist. That's great. I think I know that person. because That sounds familiar. Or maybe I've seen someone plagiarize it, but continue. We won't say any names, but he's a he's a good guy. And I, I was hoping to get booked on his show, but I thought, no, I can't follow this guy. This guy's going to think that I changed my bio just to <laughs> contest whatever he's got going on. And his uh, his uh, view is a lot more accurate, you know. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, man, black people, you're wrong. Con listen to Kanye. You know, I, I don't know about that stuff, but I, I like Kanye for the, the reasons that... Everybody else loves Kanye, you know? I feel like he, he hit I mean, me at a young I've age. run out of uh, things to like about that guy. I wish I did, but... Sorry, the TV turned on. I was, like, confused. I don't know why, but whatever. I'm just gonna ignore it. Um, what's it called? Uh, yeah, dude, I, I got into Kanye late. Like, I remember... I don't know, it was probably like five years ago, like just when he was starting to talk that crazy talk, uh, uh, I heard like someone was like, dude, I know he sounds wild, but like go back and listen to that first album. And that's when I was exposed to him doing the whole drug dealing just to get by, stack the money till it gets sky high. I was like, oh, oh, 
oh, this guy has something to say. And, like, I thought that his style was really interesting, and I was like, wow, this is where Chance the Rapper found, like, his oh, sound, yeah. you know? Like, this whole, like, let me infuse gospel into hip-hop. Like, let me be that white person who thinks they know what they're talking about about hip-hop. But I, I don't know, man. I think that he's talented, but, like, he's a jerk, dude. Like, I think that he's he's kind of just an asshole. <laughs> Like, I, I hate the whole, like, especially in L.A., and tell me if you disagree, but what I've found is, like, the whole him wearing the MAGA hat thing, dude, I feel like that encouraged other people to do that type of shit, where they have this mentality of, like, look, this is me speaking my mind, and I don't need to explain anything to you. It's like, all right, dude, like, Nazis said the same things when they were proudly walking around with those armbands, but, like, to each their own, I guess. Not that I'm... Even close to calling you that, even though he is wearing a hat with the color red on it. Just kidding. I think in a lot of his rants, still, if you if you really uh, dissect him, he's still saying a lot of things that really make sense. Mm. I I don't agree with everything he says. For obviously, sure. just yeah. like an uncle that we love, you know, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna say some outrageous things uh, when he when he knows he's got a platform. Yeah, but we still love that guy, you know. Um, so a lot of the political things I, I don't agree with, but there's little things in between that's like, wow, that's brilliant. That's actually very true. Yeah, I think there were levels to his stuff where I was like, wow, that is really like inspired and you're coming from an interesting place. But I listened to some of his new album, man, and like that that Chick-fil-A thing, dude, like... <laughs> Like, I had another album I wanted to bring up after, and I will, but, like, that, like I didn't see the movie, that's for damn sure, but, like, I I don't know, he's he's really gone off the deep end, I think, as far as religious music goes. I mean, you would know better than me. Yeah, like, I'm a big rap fan, and, uh, and there's, you know, people sometimes suggest, like, uh, or is it like religious rap or stuff like that? It's like, well, they could really be saying something. And I've never actually given it the chance because mm-hmm. you you think like, oh, there's there's a corny element to that. I mean, when you're rapping about Chick-fil-A, you know, like that is corny as fuck, dude. Like, you know your audience. Like, just, I don't know. Chick-fil-A has such a bad rep. And for you to like directly message them or like reference them, it's like, all right, dude, I get it. I, I see who you're talking to. But I don't know, man. I feel like he's he's fallen off and he's just he's become like just a different version of himself. You know, it's kind of like the jump from like Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader. And he's in full on Kanye Vader mode as far as I'm concerned, though. I would I would love to see him work in other mediums. Did you ever hear about the video game he wanted to make? Yeah, he even wanted to make an album based on like video game sounds and stuff like okay, that. Okay, that's neat. Do you remember what the game was about? Uh, I don't. I, I I remember when he talked about. I hadn't even heard of that that console. He wants to. <laughs> I, uh, he wanted to make probably the Kanye three thousand. Like, let's be real. Uh, but he uh, he had an idea for a game where you would play his mom going to heaven, and and like. It was, whatever man like we all love our mom and like i wish i could do that i mean my mom's still alive thankfully hopefully for many more years but i think that you know south park they had a response to that did you know that i have i don't watch a lot of south park oh well you're missing out bro but this was actually in the south park game and they did um ah, they, nice. they yeah right they did a whole reference to it where they had uh 
a character like who looked like a Sambo, basically. This was very offensive. And like they talked all fucking crazy and it was about them getting to heaven. And that was like a reference to that. Boring. Right. Yeah, I I agree with that. <laughs> really? And anything tied to God just it really turns me off. Like uh I, I grew up and uh my dad's side of the family, minus my dad, was just very religious. Mm-hmm. And and that kind of turned me off. Like uh, I actually have a bit tied to all that where I talk about how my aunt used to take us to church and and tell us, you know, lying is a sin, giving is good. And then after church, she would bullshit me and my cousins about not having money for McDonald's. <laughs> you know, that that is true. But, you know, it's funny is she told you not to lie and all this stuff. And I talked to uh, one of my favorite local comedians who deserves to be a star any day now, Callahan Welsh. Yeah. He'll always say, you know, comedy is like, when you're good at it, you're an expert liar. And that's all, I mean, that's all acting is. I'm pretending, I'm telling you I'm this person, but I'm really just this Jew. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's all about being able to pull the wool over someone's eyes. And you now have become, like, you're on the verge of being a professional liar. So, ah. looks like shit, that church didn't help. But I was, I was worried for a second, man. I thought you were going to tell me you were religious. I was going to be like, yeah, I'm Jewish and, like, I guess I care, but, like... Nah, man, like I'm I'm Jewish just because of like, you know, my my blood and my upbringing. But like, I'm not dude bacon cheeseburgers. You think I'm going to cut that out uh, of my life? Like pff, not for a dude I've never seen. Dude, uh, the, the funny thing is that my mom is uh, she she she's uh, very entwined in Christianity. Not not to the extreme, but just she, the thing I love about her and and the religion that we had on this side was that we know what parts to take from it. Just, just like a good Kanye rant, like I was mentioning, you know, it's like, we know what's bullshit and we kind of know. So we still have a good relationship with God. And I, you know, I'll, I'll talk to God in my own time sometimes, but I, I don't like to put a title on that. And for the same reason that I worked with, uh, with Jewish people for Jewish people mm-hmm. for a while, uh, really, really cool. Uh, insurance agency and of course dealing with money you know the you know what the we'll, we'll talk about Ta- this no, later. no 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 go on um i remember people coming in and being friends with the owner who were also jewish but at the time i didn't know who they were thinking back now there was a time recently where i thought because i would work with the database and i thought oh you know what I think Ari Shafir was one of our clients, which oh, is fuck a hot you. name this week. So we'll, we'll put that aside for now. But it was like all, all Jews stayed together. I like that. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like you basically like were in the crossfire of uncut gems without the gems. Ah, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> dude. Um, but no, uh, back to the religion thing. They would bring in a rabbi every uh-huh. every Friday. To bless everything in the office? Yeah, just give a little sermon or, you know, I'm not sure what you guys yeah, call it. Yeah, just to it. give a little talk. Oh, hello, how are you? Okay, shalom, goodbye. Yeah. It was actually a young dude, which I thought was right awesome on. because he, he sacrificed his right to have fun to, like, do what he thought is right, you the know? The thing is, though, is when someone becomes a rabbi, it's not the same thing as becoming, like, a priest. Like, you can still, like... <clears throat> Let me record my throat clearing. But, dude, like, just to give you perspective, 
when I was learning for my bar mitzvah, dude, I used to talk about South Park with the rabbi who was teaching me nice. all the time. So, like, people, like, who are going into that, like, there's a reason why you don't hear about rabbis, you know, molesting kids. It's because, like, they don't have to live by these, like, crazy strict guidelines. Uh, so they can if they want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, they totally can. And nice. they do. I don't know if you've ever seen a circumcision. It's like that, but with scissors. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, that's I think that's cool, though, man. Like, I think that the best way to sum up religion, and tell me if you feel differently, I bet you'll agree, but it's, a, it's like that classic joke. You know, religion's like a penis. You can have one. You can even like them. But get that shit the fuck out of my face. Like, don't even try to point it at my mouth, bro. Like, I never know. I never heard. Face. I would have told my aunt that when I was a kid. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I was a bad kid. There you go, dude. There's another zinger you can have. Uh, the thing about I was telling you about the rabbi would come every mm -hmm, week, mm -hmm. and I was very open minded at the time. I'm I'm still very open minded. I don't cling to one religion or one belief. And I asked if I could join them and, and sit in the the thing. So every week, uh, this Mexican kid who grew up christian uh would join these people and i would ask questions and i would just be so moved at the fact that we almost all religions kind of believe the same thing yeah they do but with they different superheroes it, exactly know? like some of them believe in spider-man and some of them believe in italian spider-man exactly you know? it's like this is in another universe but that that's the thing man is i think that it's it's all a big mess and <laughs> And we're all just fighting over nothing. That's, right. That's the that's the real thing. But I mean, like I said, dude, it's like it's fine if you like penis, but like, dude, don't shove it in my face. Like that's your dick cross to bear. You know what I mean? But you know what's funny about what you were saying is you were kind of following the guidelines for if you want to convert to Judaism. Did you know that? I did not, dude. So apparently, and I'm not an expert by any means. I've just I went on birthright. I went to I went to Israel. I drank some Kool Aid. You know, I, I learned the whole spiel. I went to a place called Israel that may or may not have really been Palestine. You know the whole thing. I've heard of it, but <laughs> you know, like the West Bank, South Banks, all those banks, HSBC Bank. But my point is, is when you want to convert to Judaism. You ask the rabbi, and the rabbis will always say fucking no until they say yes. And you asking questions, that's like you going on the timeline. So, bro, you're halfway there. I'm on the radar? Yeah, dude, you are on the rabbi's radar, dude. So if you keep going and, like, you marry a Jewish chick and you convert before you marry her, bro, you will have a full-on 100% Jewish, and depending on your lady, Mexican baby. Wow. Yeah, man. You know what's crazy, too, is that there's a big Mexican uh, Jewish population. Dude, they're, they're small. I forget the name of the country. I feel like an idiot. I want to say that there's a lot of of Jews like from, from Morocco, dude. I, I came across at the bar I was working at, like, a bunch of people who were like, they're like, can you take a picture of us? And their phone was in Hebrew, and they were not white. I was like, Why? And then they're like, oh, we're Jewish. And I was like, no shit. So, like, world travels fast, as they say. But, yeah, man, it's being Jewish is like, it's like being part of, like, the the cool religion club. But, like, oh, like, religion, dude, the way I look at it, man, is it does good for people who are, like, drug addicts. Like, it's helped people like that. But other than that, man, 
bro, it's still causing harm. Like, I feel like religion is one of those things. It's stopping us from getting all the cool shit, you know, like flying cars, sex robots, you know, like, it's like, can you guys just chill out and, and let me have an abortion? Ah. Like, it's, oh, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't even know how we got into this, it's, but it's about the extent that you exercise it in, because if you, you could be religious about veganism and that's just the same <laughs> thing, you know, like if you just take it to the point where it's like, oh, I'm being healthy cool we we accept that you know but if you're starting to project that and and try to push it onto other people Mm -hmm. that's i don't know that that's a little imposing so what was it like with them like trying to have this religious influence on you growing up in la like one of the ultimate cities of sin like do you think that this all built you up to go towards stand-up like was stand-up a random thing or like was this always part of the plan no i was always the funny kid uh growing up Mm -hmm. i was i was really stupid and uh same i feel you and i remember there was there was a big saying in the the 90s everybody wants to be a comedian you you remember that yeah rings a bell or two for sure i remember being in third grade specifically and uh the teacher said that one time ah i I cracked the joke and you know she's like oh everybody wants to be a comedian Mm -hmm. and i raised my hand after already being disruptive, I already disrupted the class. But at that point, I was like, hey, what's what's a comedian? And she told me, oh, somebody who gets paid to tell jokes. Mm-hmm. So in third grade, that's when it clicked. Like, wow, that's a job. I could do that. Yeah, I guess I had a moment like that. But for me, I was just a, I was I think I was probably younger. Like I took my first acting class when I was nine years old but like I remember when I was six my parents for some amazing reason decided it would be a good idea to give me Jim Carrey's The Mask on VHS classic I wore that bitch out dude and like that was one of the it's funny because that was one of the first comedies or like Hollywood films to really embrace special effects and like that was really new at the time and it, it's still having effect on the industry and i i used to watch movies in french when i was a kid i grew up i went to a french school cuz my parents they they had to make me different and uh and i'm happy they did but i would watch like movies in french and i remember when i wore out my vhs tape of the mask my parents brought me the mask in French, so I ended up watching the shit out of that. I French. thought you were gonna say they brought you the mask too. I was gonna say, oh no! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thankfully, the mask too doesn't quite exist. But you mean like Son of the Mask, right? Is that what it's called? It's called Son of the Mask, starring Jamie Kennedy. Ah, uh, yeah, I got a lot of respect for him, but maybe not that movie. No, maybe not. No, not at all. But yeah, that was like my big influence was that was, and it even like in college when I was studying film seeing like special effects back to the basics and like seeing how they incorporate that with comedy and like just being able to be large in life. I was like, I don't know what he's doing right there with his face, but I want to do that. Like I remember like when I was in high school, like I'm curious who some of your like inspiration was like when you were younger before, you know, like you realize you had something behind your eyes in your head, you know, cause I just figured out I had a brain last week. And, um, like, seeing things like Jim Carrey and, like, I'm trying to think of other examples off the top of my head. Or even, like, Brendan Fraser, just as an actor back in the day, just seeing those things. That's where I was like, that's what I want to do. And now it's evolved into, like, 
man, I just want to be able to bring joy to people. You know, if someone's sad, I could be in a YouTube video they watch where I bring them joy for five minutes on their break. You know, I just, I just want to make people laugh because that's just how I feel better about myself. That's how I think about it. Yeah. Right on. Laughter's a good therapy. Yeah, dude, it's the best. Hey, you're talking about special effects, so I have this, like, I'm a big Spielberg fan. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't I mean, matter. Jaws, E.T. E.T., by the way, favorite movie all time. Uh, yeah, that's an excellent choice. I was just talking to some friends about it. You know that E.T., I mean, famously some of the most uh, famous, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, product placement, the Reese's Pieces. You know that that was originally supposed to be uh, peanut M&M's. But Hershey was like, nah, we ain't using that. Like, I don't know who the fuck is this chicken wire alien. Get this the fuck out of here. So Reese's was like, hey, man, uh, we, we're spo- we're like starting this new product. Do you want to put it in your movie? And Spielberg was like, all right, cool. And the rest is history. Like, that was like the first exposure Reese's Pieces got. And those became huge after that. But yeah. but continue with Spielberg because I got a lot about that guy to say. But Oh, man, I love, that's probably one of my, my biggest inspirations. Uh, I, I just... I miss costumes. Mm-hmm. I feel like there there was a whole era between the 80s and the 90s where costumes were what made the movie and, you know, animal, electric. I don't know what they're doing with these dinosaurs or how they made them, but it's better than the special effects. That we get today. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Like, some, like the thing today is that they get too hung up on using the computer, where eventually it's like, okay, there's nothing even in front of the camera. What are we bothering to shoot this for? Right. But, uh, you know, it's funny when you say costumes, first thing that came to mind, Jim Carrey in that banging-ass yellow suit. Absolutely. Which is real as fuck. And, you know, I actually read yesterday that he said if an inspired filmmaker came up to him with an idea for the mask, he would do a sequel. So, like, I, I'm i going to write a script. I read like, that, too, yeah. Like, I, I would love to see that. I want another Ace Ventura and, and uh, mask movie so fucking bad, dude. And it's funny because the second Ace Ventura has aged so much better than that first one. Mm. And even talking about costumes, like, that character so fucking iconic. So iconic. Like, that's the thing, like, when I was in film school, like, it doesn't matter if it's already recognizable, you know, but you can make something iconic. Like, like for example, dude, you're dressed in a very iconic way. Like, your hat, it stands out from everything else, and, like, you just, you look defined, right? Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. But, it, like, with special effects and costumes, the the lines are blurring in a fucking bad way. Like, I don't know how you felt about the movie Aquaman, for example. I fucking hate that movie. Like, I love me some superhero bullshit. I hate that movie. I mean, this is just a joke, but bro, you know that they treat jellyfish like slaves in that movie. Like, they use actual jellyfish? I don't know if they were real jellyfish, but like, bro, they make these jellyfish, they're still alive, and the people are wearing them. Treating that jellyfish like a fucking slave, bro. That is fucked. But that, that's just a sidebar. But, like, just talk about the shitty costumes in that. Like, that's just an example of them, like, putting too much money and way overthinking, like, the whole Aquaman armor and all that shit, dude. Like, but we do get some good costumes, you know? Like, I feel like every Spider-Man costume has looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know, man. Nothing like when I think of like iconic characters, like it's always shit from the eighties, you know, yeah. which has been done to death. Where it's like someone in a leather jacket, you know, or like fucking Ash Williams from the Evil Dead movie, you know, missing the sleeve and the bloody blue shirt. But even fucking Spielberg, man, he was he was always good at throwing in characters like, dude, what is more iconic than the kid in the red hoodie riding on the bike with the alien in the front basket? It's just so simple, so practical, but so iconic. Yeah, yeah dude, it's timeless as fuck. I mean, in a uh, fucking Jurassic Park the guy wearing the yellow jacket. Like, I feel like that year, like, a company star, they're like, all right, we're going to make raincoats, and they're going to be yellow, and that's it. You know? Just because that was now the new popular thing. I don't know if it's special effects that I have a problem with or the fact that things aren't as practical as they used to be. Because you mentioned the 80s, and we, we talked about a lot of, like, animated movies, but still, you think of a name like Molly Ringwald, and you, you mm -hmm. picture her in certain outfits you know i don't know what molly ringwald looks like these days but if you tell me a story about her i'm picturing her in that pink dress from 16 candles you know mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think that it's pretty like unanimous like the best movies came out like between like 19 like 69 to like 91 you know, like, 91, that was, like, the year that Demolition Man came out. And, like, they, they shot that in the fucking 80s. Or, like, Terminator 2, that came out in 90. So, like, I don't give a fuck what anyone says. That's still, like, an 80s movie to me. And, like, Alien, that came out, I think, in 69 or 71. I don't fucking remember. But there's... I'm trying to think of what some of, like, my favorite costumes are now. You got me thinking about these costumes. And, and Jurassic Park really is a good example you know, um, and I'm kind of shifting gears because I just I have to mention this on every single one of these recordings. You know that Spielberg originally was supposed to direct a remake of or not a remake. He was going to make the Cats movie. He wanted to make an animated movie of Cats mm -hmm. where they would be like a hand drawn cartoon and they were cats. And that didn't happen, as you know, but Amblin was one of the producers on this Cats movie. On this this recent one, yes, wow, and Spielberg's name is nowhere to be seen on it, but his his production company is a part of it. And God, I don't like. Let me ask you this: I don't know if we've ever talked about this after like a mic or something, but how do you feel about bad movies, and what does that mean to you? Because that that's like my lifeblood, bro. Is is shitty cinema? I'm not talking Aquaman like bad, but I'm talking like Cats, where it's like. <gasps> Whoa, what have you done? I think the the bad movie thing, like, it's gone because of the world that we live in today where, like, even if a movie is really shitty, it builds a cult following, you know? It depends, man. Because some movies just suck, right? Right. And, like Suicide Squad, for example, or, like... I don't know, I've heard, I may or may not know someone who works at Warner Brothers who may or may not have seen Birds of Prey, and in a word, they summed it up as, yikes. They said to me that I will love to tear into it, so maybe I'll do that, but I don't know, I just saw 1917 for the second time, so I'm, I'm really enjoying watching good shit in theaters right now, but I think that cults definitely develop around these movies, and I think that Cats is one of those movies 
And I hope you'll see it, man. I've seen it twice now. I have a theory about that new Cats Tell me. movie. Because cult followings are so big these days, I have a feeling that that was all the studio. Because before it was even out for a Bro. week, people are already saying it's the worst movie ever made. Bro, this you know who directed it, right? Who directed I it? I forget his name, if it's Toby or Tom, but I think it's Tom Hooper. And he's the guy who directed The King's Speech. Like, one of those, like boring quote-unquote movies like i like it but i remember seeing that i was like this shit ain't better than black swan like the fuck is this like it came out same year as 127 hours like great and then at the end of the decade he makes cats and the only reason that i say that it wasn't planned for it to be like this is first of all like i mean someone immediately should have seen it and been like something is wrong guys but they kept going dude and this whole movie, like, when I first heard about it, they said that the production cost was, like, $300 million. Uh. And then the number dropped to 120 And then $90 million. And then I was like, this is kind of weird. And then the day the movie came out, when they had the premiere downtown, they said that product post-production finished four hours ago. Yeah. Oh, boy. And they had a lot of big names in that movie, too, Idris right? Selba, like... Uh, James Corden. They had to pay yeah. people... Oh, yeah, they did. And the thing is, is uh, that was not all done on a green screen. They built a lot of those sets. Mm. And that's part of what makes it so just, just like pure, just amazing. And I'm glad I went to go see it a second time. I don't know if you saw it on my Instagram. I ran into fucking Kyle Gass watching that movie a second time. Do you know who that is? Is it? Who is it? It's a guitarist from Tenacious D. Oh, Jack that's who Black's I thought band. it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want and, to speak. Up. Yeah, but he was he was laughing at the commercials before the movie even started. You know, it was it's one of those movies, man. And I hope you'll get a chance to see it. I took my buddy Ahmed Al Qadri. You know him. Love He's that. gonna do another uh, episode with me. We recorded one, but it got. It, it, it just got lost, we'll say. Shout out to Ahmed. Yeah. Love that dude. Yeah, Ahmed from Dallas. Check him out on Instagram. Great, great comedian. Uh, but he was, like, borderline miserable watching it. Like, I'm laughing my ass off. Like, the movie starts, dude. And, like, I told him, I was like, bro, this is your birthday, Christmas present, everything. But I'm taking you to see this. You need to experience this. Because my first time I went, dude, uh, sold out crowd, like, all 25 seats in this small ass theater were sold and I may or may not took an edible like I've mentioned on here before and when I got there the guy sitting next to me people were walking in going meow meow boo dogs go cats and they were handing out edibles dude the first time I saw it people were clapping after the songs people were shouting stuff I screamed at a point in the audience laughed like I tested the waters when the religious trailer was playing when it got to a quiet moment I just went And, like, everyone laughed. I was like, okay, thank God I'm in the right room right now. So people were having a blast. But when I saw it with Ahmed, I was laughing really hard because right from the beginning, dude, it is just pure nightmare fuel. And, like, two seats down, this other girl's laughing, and Ahmed leans over. He's like, dude, you have to relax. I'm like, bro, I'm fucking trying. Like, this shit just kills me. Like, the people are so – that's what makes, uh like, a really bad movie – like stand out and become almost great because everyone is passionate behind it. it's kind of like why something like naked gun works because everyone is in there they're selling it like it's serious but it's silly shit 
And it's the same thing for this man. Dude, Naked Gun and all the Leslie Nielsen titles are just some of the greatest movies. Like it's just brilliant comedy. Practical that practical word we're talking about, but yeah. just so genius. Oh yeah, man. I mean that's like they once they found out they could do it with the computer, they're like, oh, like, why are we going to do it like this? But then uh, Guillermo del Toro was like, hey, let me play with my toys and uh, just use the fucking costumes and the practical effects and we use a computer after. Okay, thank you. That's actually Guillermo del Toro. We have him sitting here on the couch chiming. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Guillermo. Okay, I'm going to go away play with my toys. That'll be all. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about The Shape of Water, but that had a lot of practical effects. And like, that's his style that he'll get these detailed ass costumes and shit, and he'll have computer effects on top of them. And I think that's really the way to do it. Like, having practical effects, it's gone full circle now at this point where it's, it's almost more expensive to do it that way. Yeah, right? It, it, it really is, man. And... I don't know. I think it makes a difference. Like, I can't tell you how much, like, CGI blood, for example. Like, that will that will fucking ruin a scene. Like, one of my favorite movies, I don't know if you're into horror, but uh, there's this incredible vampire movie called Daybreakers. Have you ever heard of it? Never heard of it. Oh, dude. It's with Ethan Hawke, and it's basically a future dystopian society. Everyone is a vampire. Everyone. And they have, like, Starbucks that serves you blood. And, like, humans are farmed for their blood. Like, there's a shot of, like, these humans with, like, things over their faces and they have needles in their neck and they're sucking out the blood. And there's there's a scene – the reason I mention it is there's this great moment where they're, um, they're trying to do a new test where they can, like, get the vampires to go out in the light. And the vampire explodes in the testing room and it's practical blood. And you can fucking tell. Because you see every fucking drop fly onto that window. And it's just, it's the most simple filmmaking effect. I'm taking a frame on this frame and I'm filling it with something. Genius. So Ethan Hawke plays a vampire in that? Yes, he plays a vampire and has a like a star-studded cast. I forget who else is in it, but I know Willem Dafoe is in it. I'm so stupid, man. I can't help but think that interaction with the homeless guy in Training Day is what turned him into a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Have you seen that episode of Beavis and Butthead where they it's one of the newer ones where they go to see Twilight and they're like, Beavis, we have to become vampires or werewolves to get girlfriends. I haven't seen it. They rebooted that, right? <laughs> yeah, they did that. <laughs> and <laughs> what happened is like they go to this homeless guy and they offer him a piece of gum and he's like, like me gum. And then he starts biting all over them. And they're like, all right, Beavis, we have to wait for the transformation. And and then it does three days later. They're fucking green on their side. And Beavis is like, but I, we're halfway through the transformation. And then they get tested, and it's like they have herpagonocephalades, you know? Like, oh, they got shit. everything in the book. <laughs> that, that was, like, one of those really clever bits. That's one of those guys who I hope that he gets a big... Uh, What's it called? Like, not a big payday, but, like, just, like, a big blank check again. Uh, Mike Judge. 
because right. he makes good comedies. Like speaking of like the '90s being like the end of like you know a lot of comedies and stuff like that. I mean, have you seen Office Space? I mean, like oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> look at me. Like, of course I have. That's that's classic. That's yeah. that's like you have to have. There's a couple movies. I don't watch a lot of movies now, mm-hmm. uh, but there's a couple movies that if you're a comedian, you better have watched. Those. Okay, what what's the top five of those? Uh, Naked Guns up there. I think that. Um, Office Space, definitely one of them. Airplane. Uh, Said again? Airplane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And anything Leslie Nielsen is like, dude, that guy. You know you know what I didn't see was the Mr. Magoo that he was in for Disney? I saw that shit in theaters, bro, when I was like six. How and was it? I don't fucking remember, man. But I remember loving that shit. But after my dad stopped letting me pick movies, for sure. Oh, but you remember Cats, though. Hell yeah, bro. I just saw it twice. Like, I'll see that shit. That's one of those movies, bro, that it's undescribed. That's why I like bad movies, dude. Because, like, movies that are just, like, quote-unquote bad, it's because they're following a formula that I've seen a million times and are not trying anything. When you see something that is genuinely horrible, like they were trying to do something, but they fell on their face and they're proud of that shit. I mean, have you seen The Room? Because I would put that up there as a movie that comedians need to see. That the Tommy Wiseau one? Uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one. Have you you seen that, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know what's funny about that? And I don't know if I've mentioned this on this podcast yet, but you know the movie The Disaster Artist, obviously. Right. I've seen that too. Are you a fan? I didn't like that it wasn't funny. I, I, I really appreciate that you say that because I think that that's one of the biggest missed opportunities like in filmmaking history. Dude, moving out to L.A., like I'm like every other sad fuck out here, you know, aspiring actor, big dreams, yada, yada. But like moving out here, my Bible was the book of the disaster artist because it's about this dude who takes an acting class and he meets this fucking weirdo. And, like, he just goes along with this guy and finds out he's fucking loaded and, like, just makes a movie with him because he didn't get casted in something else. He was supposed to be in a movie I referenced in the last podcast I did, the 2002 Roberto Benigni Pinocchio movie. Do you remember that shit? No. A movie that I tried to go see in theaters and my dad said, no. Ah. It's a 40-year-old man playing Pinocchio. And the guy who, oh, my, Greg Sestero. The guy in uh, the room, he was supposed to be in that, but because he didn't get casted, he just went off and he did the room, and the rest is history. But, but uh, if you haven't read the Disaster Artist, like I agree with you, the movie kind of sucks. But man, that book will blow your mind. First of all, something that like I was that made me really hype about the movie. James Franco compared it to Boogie Nights. Have you seen that movie? The Mark Wahlberg one, right? Yeah, I think that that's arguably the best American film ever made. It's great. Like, every time Quentin Tarantino makes a movie, I feel like he's trying his hardest to make a Boogie Nights movie. Just because, like, it has all these actors just, like, knocking it out of the park, you know? And and I think that that movie has the right theme and style that would work perfectly for the disaster artist. Because something they don't touch on in the movie... Um, we all can see Tommy Wiseau looks weird as fuck. Like he looks a little crazy, dude. And it's because he's been in multiple car accidents. Yeah. yeah isn't that kind of an eye opener? 
You know, wouldn't that have been like interesting if in a moment, like when they're talking to each other and Tommy goes off and then like they mention something and he's like, oh, I have history. They show a car like, you know, that James Bond scene where the car's like flipping over. Like that would have been like something, you know, would have been interesting instead of like just feeling like James Franco was fucking phoning it in because that I, I'm so glad you said that that movie wasn't funny because it's. It's fine. Like, I had to see it twice because I was like, I was like, no, man, like, this is supposed to be the best movie ever. And it's not, like, not even close. It was a serious movie, right? Serious-ish. Like, there's funny parts to it. Like, I did laugh at it. Like, James Franco did have a good impression, and he it was fun to watch him, like, in certain scenes. But it just, I don't know, I think that his brother being casted as Greg Sestero kind of fucked it up in a weird way because Tommy Wiseau is like he's like Tom Cruise height you know like where he's ripped but like he's he's not the tallest guy in the room and Greg Sestero was like the tall model type and like they flipped that and I was like well that that kind of fucks up that character dynamic but uh I guess I'll go with this and it's just I don't know to me it's it's one of my more disappointing movies I wouldn't say it's the most disappointing movie I mean it's not, you know, Star Wars, Rise of the Skywalker, or whatever the fuck that movie's called. Ah. But uh, you, you say you don't watch a lot of movies, but and, and I keep stopping you, but uh, tell me, like, what, is there any other movies that you want to mention that you're like, oh, if you want to be a comedian, these are, like, required viewings? I don't know if I'd say required, because, you know, everyone takes their own path, finds and, their own inspiration. Yeah, and everyone has their own style, blah, 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 all that stuff. But those... Uh all the all the Jim Carrey uh, '90s movies, and you know what? Even aside from those comedy movies, like there's there's few movies that I remember being bad from Jim Carrey. Like even Yes Man was really dope. There's parts to it that I can get with, but some of it, it's like uh, this is like you're trying to get Bruce Almighty all over again. Which I think that movie's a fluke, dude. Like I don't think that was intended to be as good as it is moms love it dude moms love it and so does julian bro like i don't know why but i think that and that was uh i think that was before uh what's his name really blew up uh 40 year old virgin steve carell yeah right? steve carell before he really popped off that was before the office i think yeah yeah and then they made evan almighty and that was an almighty piece of shit ah. like it was it was really something. And that's something, man, I hope that they they really can get in tune with comedies because there's a lot of modern comedies. And I'm curious what you think where I'm like, man, this it's it's I but like it ain't that great. Y'all need to chill the fuck out like the movies are just there. There's something about it that rubs me the wrong way. The first one of, of an example of that, I would say. And don't get me wrong. There's amazing modern comedies out there, but. Uh, horrible bosses like not the second one but the first one i remember being in theaters everyone's laughing their ass off i'm like yeah, this is all right you know like it, it's cool but like i didn't love it and then game night came out like a year or two ago i was like yeah, this is okay but like at the end like fucking looney tunes they're jumping in and out of airplanes like it became the fast and the furious i was like all right guys like yeah. what the fuck's going on here i haven't seen a lot of fresh ideas i haven't seen a lot of uh like really fresh ideas in that lately. Um, but the thing I like about Yes Man, and it's kind of connected, is the evolution that Jim Carrey makes, who was like, mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of funny parts in it, but there's also a very good underlying story. And I think that a lot of modern comedies are going for that, for the whole good filmmaking, um, like deep story. But for me, it's a lot like 
like porn, you know, like the, the simpler, <laughs> the better. Like yeah. if, if the production uh, budget is five hundred dollars, I know it's going to be a funny ass movie. You know? <laughs> hey, as long as the lighting is good, that's all that matters. Yeah. Though. But but uh, I was going to say, I don't know why I just thought of this movie, but uh, I don't know how you feel about Click, but I think that that kind of checked a couple boxes, like, in that way. Like, I remember watching that, like, I was in high school. I was like, what the fuck, man? This is, like, going to make me cry. Like, this has some real shit in it. But uh, uh, I think, and I was talking to my friends about this, and I'm curious if you agree, best comedy released in my lifetime so like caddyshack you know and a bunch of classics don't technically count but in my lifetime i think that tropic thunder is the best comedy like i really think that that's hard to top like the only one that comes close and ain't the fucking hangover it's a hot tub time machine oh the first one was great yeah that movie fucking kills me and maybe like jackass 3d I think that that is like, dude, I love when people subvert art so much that it becomes anti-art. And that's what Jackass is. It's fucking beautiful. Oh, man, it's so dope. I love Jackass. Yeah, they're, they're the fucking best. I'm so glad that I have all the shit on DVD. But uh, what do you think in your lifetime, best comedy? Hmm. Um, Damn. Putting you right on the spot. Yeah, right on the spot to on think of spot. one. Uh, I can't name one specifically, but to round out that list of, of comedy movies that you should watch, I think very high on my personal list are mm. Grandma's Boy and Half-Baked. Dude, Grandma's Boy, what's the name of that actor? It's like Alan something, Adam Sandler's friend. I don't know, but he was one of the obscure guys and they finally gave him his own movie. You know? Yeah, I, I do like that movie. Grandma's Boy is such an interesting movie. I mean... Talk about, like, how much your career can grow, dude. Like, what's the name of the guy from Superbad? That's a pretty good one. But uh, what's the name of that guy? I mean, he was in Wolf of Wall Street. Jonah Hill? Dude, Jonah Hill is sucking a titty in that movie. Ah, he d he does. And and he weighs about 200 more pounds in that movie. Mm -hmm. Like, that... <laughs> I, I love movies like that where it's like, man, you can make some silly shit and still, like, have, like, a super career afterwards. But that... That is one of the better obscure comedies, I would say, that's out there. I was going to ask, uh, what about uh, the movie Idiocracy? Because I mentioned Mike Judge, and you said you've seen Office Space, but have you seen Idiocracy? Because that's up there for me. That's one of my top, top ones. Comedies, no, but what, what was that factory one? That It left oh, a bad taste in my mouth. Oh, yeah, that's because that movie tasted bad. Um, the Jason Bateman one, Yeah, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I want to say it was called, like, Nutsack or something like that. Let's call it, let's just describe it and call it that. Right? Yeah, but uh, what was it called? I'm going to, I think I can look it up. But it, that was one of those ones where, like, like, Mike Judge, dude, King of the Hill is one of the best shows ever made. Like, when I was growing up, I was like, I don't get it. This isn't funny. But when I got older, like, in college, I was like, Holy shit, this is like making fun of Republicans to their face. I love it. And I think that Mike Judge can miss the mark, like, in that Nutsack movie that I'm looking up right now. But do you know anything about Idiocracy? No, no, no. Real quick, before we get to Idiocracy, yeah. do you remember a uh, stop-motion show or, like, a clay animated show that... Kablam? That's a fucking that's a I whole other to, topic. Yeah, I was trying to guess a bit. Go ahead, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But I think it was Mike Judge too, and it was, it was called Gary and Mike. 
Gary and Mike. It, it didn't run for long, but it was on UPN. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've so never heard of it. Might not even be Mike Judge. It might just be a different Mike, but um, that that came to my mind. I'm sorry. Nutsack is called Extract. That's what it's... <laughs> Ah, I like rhymes. Nutsack better. Yeah, Nutsack is a way better title. Uh, I don't see anything like that on here. I don't see any stop motion things, but I would not be surprised if he did that. But Idiocracy, dude, and that connects to a newer movie, too. I don't know if you saw, uh, what's it called? Oh, my God. Sorry to Bother You. Remind me which Sorry one. Sorry to Bother You is with, uh, oh, fuck, I hate that I can't remember the name of that actor. But it's it's about a guy who works at a telemarketing company, and ah, with Lakeith Stan- yeah, I did yeah, watch Lakeith that. Stanfield. I hated the way it ended. Really? Okay, so that's like I guess how our tastes differ. Because I mean, just for context, I don't know if I ever told you this. Uh, I made an exaggerated movie called Monkey with a Gun. It's on YouTube. You should check it out. Oh, uh, it's an, it's a huge anti-gun statement. I played the villain named George Zimmer Monkey. And our hero is named Hoodie. I'll let you imagine exactly I, I how that it. plays I, out. I made the connection. Yeah. Uh, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> but I and we like I wore like a full animal suit and like our characters like had animal masks and stuff. So like I mean that's mild spoiler if you haven't seen. Sorry to bother you, but like, dude, him knocking on the door at the end of that movie saying "Sorry to bother you," I was like. Ooh, he said the title of the movie in a sick ass way like i mean that's a tiny thing but just among the whole context of that like that movie in particular i remember i saw all the trailers because that was when movie pass was fucking working still and i would go to the movies and i would see that trailer i was like man i'm worried that i've seen the whole thing now and every single scene would have a moment i didn't see coming and something that was like larger than life in a way and i think that you might like idiocracy more because Idiocracy is the last 20 minutes, but the whole time. And the setting for Idiocracy is this uh, Luke Wilson is this lazy guy in the military, someone we can all relate to, right? Well, I guess not you because you got that work ethic. <laughs> but um, what's it called? He, he signs up for this program where they're going to put him in a box for a year. And something goes wrong. Oh, no. And he's in there for a thousand years. And society gets fucking stupid, bro. Oh, you know what? I, I've seen parts of it really really recommend that one dude like i think that it's terry cruz's best character former porn star president and that genius and like the whole thing of do you remember any of the details about it no because there's some oh dude in the future they uh they put gatorade in all the water fountains and when he asks someone for water a running joke everyone looks at him and goes water like from a toilet (laughs) <laughs> like, like, dude, they're watering crops with Gatorade. Like, the movie is so wonderfully stupid. Like, they talk, they try to sum up how the era is there. They're like, the number one movie of that year was ass. And that's what it was for 90 minutes. And you see him sitting in a theater, and there's, like, a white dude's ass on the screen. And it farts. The whole crowd of an IMAX theater starts laughing their ass off. Wow. It, it, dude, he, that's one of those movies that is so ahead of its time. I mean, we're basically living it right now. But the last quote I'll mention from because it's just it's so brilliant. Uh, they're walking near the end of the movie. Uh, one of the dumb protagonists is walking with a random other dumb guy. They walk past a Starbucks and they're like, oh, man, Starbucks has blowjobs now. That's awesome. And then the dude looks at him surprised. He's like, bro, you like blowjobs? And 
the other guy looks back at him surprised like bro i love blowjobs we're gonna be best friends ah. like <laughs> like it's just his writing when he hits it like he he's like a really good comedian in a way mike judge where like he'll say something just trying to you know bring it full circle here even though like i'm i'm chilling man i don't know about you yeah i'm i'm in no hurry i'm yeah we can wrap up in a little bit we've gone for about an hour i usually like to go for 80 minutes but he'll have like a perspective on something where it's like man fuck like how did i not think of that you know like a great example is like the whole flare thing in office space or like the tps reports like something that is like deeply rooted in experience but like somehow relatable to even people who weren't involved in that right right yeah i think that's that's so fucking cool i got a question how yeah on on the topic of luke wilson how is somebody who's not very funny make some great comedy movies because you've seen uh what is it? The Dar the Darjeeling Limited? Oh, uh, Darjeeling Unlimited or whatever it is. I think I've seen that. I'm not sure. Is that a Wes Anderson movie? I think it is, yeah. And uh, I, f I forget who else is in it, but I remember watching that because I used to be into, like again, obscure indie movies. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're just as shitty as the other ones. And it was cool. I, I really enjoyed that movie. But I think that to answer your question, I think it's a much simpler answer than you think, man. I mean, it's the same reason why, rest in peace, Leslie Nielsen is so amazing in Naked Gun, dude. He's playing the straight man. And when you can do that, dude, it makes it that much more believable. Because you can't have, like comedy where it's just all the crazy guy you know unless it's jackass where it's like it's not a story you know it's self-aware and people are just fucking themselves up but luke wilson i think he just plays a good straight man and looking through his movie oh he's in the second zombie land yike i mean i guess we all gotta work but i don't know <laughs> looking through his movies oh he did an episode of drunk history that's pretty cool but i don't know looking through his work like Without a doubt, Idiocracy is, is his best. You know what his character's name is in that movie? What? I forget what his original name is, but when he gets brought back to the future, they have, like, barcodes on their wrist because that's basically their wallet. And he sticks his arm in the t tattoo machine, and it's like, what is your name? And he's like, look, uh, I'm not sure that this is right. And he's like, not sure. Is that correct? And it's like, no, that's not. Not has been confirmed. So the whole movie, people are calling him not sure. Wow. Like, it's it's just because he can play the straight guy so, so good. I mean, dude, I'm telling you, you're going to watch that movie and it's going to blow your mind. Like, one of the best opening scenes. Like, it sets it up so well. It, it gives you <laughs> gives you everything. And honestly, it's one of those things I feel like more people need to see. Like, it shows a trailer park where, like, the guy is, like, cheating on his wife, getting caught. And then, like, it shows there's all these things going on. It has their family tree popping up, right? Then it cuts to, like, the lawyers. And they're like, well, we're going to focus on our careers. Hmm. And maybe we'll have a kid down the line. Then it jumps back to the trailer park. And it shows, like, his kids, like, in college. And he's, like, a football player. He's like, I'm going to get all you girls pregnant. And then, like, the family tree's like, bloop, 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 bloop. And then, like, long story short, the guy ends up dying. So the lawyer never has a kid. And their, their family tree shrinks from two to one. <laughs> and the dumbass family tree keeps growing. Family branch. Yeah, dude. But uh, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we wrap this all up and down? Are we wrapping up? Is that what we're uh, doing? No, I mean, like, I'm open to doing this at least another half hour, bro. But if you, like, had anything you wanted to bring up before I turn this bus off it. 
let's just let's just keep talking i feel like we'll we'll uh we find stuff to talk about beneath you know little topics and shit i uh you got any more questions (laughs) i was wondering if you had any man but yeah man i got stuff that we can talk about for sure um you know, I wasn't like I kind of like skipped over this after we talked about Kanye. But have you listened to the new Eminem album at all? Because you're into the hippity hops a little bit. I've heard a couple songs, and uh, I I'm not a big fan of Eminem when he makes okay. a melodic type like radio. Again, it's like it's the practicality. If if he's making an artsy film on track, uh-huh. I'm a little bit turned off by that. Okay. I uh I think like just to talk about positives I guess first before I just talk shit about it. I like the cover. I like the aesthetic of it, like the whole like style of the album. Like he's basing it off of Alfred Hitchcock. Like that's that's kind of funny, you know, like it's I like that he has like an impersonator, you know, like giving like mentions and the album, uh, you know, the name of it, like music to be murdered by. Like that's that's classic slim shady. I, I really appreciate it. That being said, it's whack, man. I, I I really didn't like it. I was bummed. I don't trust Eminem when he has black hair. <laughs> that, that seems very like superficial or something. To... No, nah, man. There's something to that. Like when you dye your hair. Like I mean, back in the day, this was a thing. I know that uh, hair dye almost killed the lead singer Slipknot. Oh shit. Yeah, dude. He had like blue dreads and it was like seeping into his skull. So he cut the dreads off and glued them to his mask cuz that's what adults do. They glue their hair to masks. But I I was really disappointed. Like I t- I wrote down like I think the song Godzilla is okay and that song Marsh is all right, but man, when his chorus doesn't hit, like it goes off a cliff for me, dude. Like it I, I think that the last album he made that I really like was probably the Marshall Mathers LP too. Like I thought his last one with uh uh Ringer and like Greatest, like I thought that one was okay. Kamikaze, that album. Mm. I thought that was all right. But I I have a very weird taste in music. I would call it probably bad taste, but I realize and it's kind of a joke that I wrote, you know, like everyone's music taste sucks if it's not the same as yours. You know, like none of that shit's good. <laughs> what disappoints me about Eminem is that he hasn't lost it, you know? Oh no. He still like has the skill to put it behind the track, but it's like, all right, dude, like the music behind it. Like you're, you talk shit about all these people using auto tune and then you bring on motherfuckers using auto tune. It's like, what is it? Like sometimes though, like you're saying these artsy fartsy songs and I, I agree. I think he's trying to do that too much, but what was that one song where he sampled the thing about going to outer space? Like, it was on his recovery album. I forget what the name of the track was, but, I, I mean, recovery, I think, is arguably his best album. Like, I think that every song on that is a fucking banger. Let me look it up real quick. It's, uh... Oh, there's so many so bad. Love the way you lie. Where is it? I don't know. There's so many on here. Oh, Spacebound. That's the one. Hmm. You remember that one? I don't know a lot of the newer stuff. Oh, okay. This one is from, this one's a little bit older. It's, dude, wow, it's 10 years old God now. Damn. Yeah. Wow, time flies, bro. Uh, but I would definitely, like, I take it you're not a big Eminem fan. No, I'm I'm huge Eminem fan. But what I was saying is that it disappoints me that I know he still has it in him because mm-hmm. you'll hear him on other tracks. Like, uh, like there's an album that Royce the five, nine released mm-hmm. about a year ago 
by the way, if you haven't listened to that, start to finish, amazing. The guy, it's funny, my first exposure to that guy is on this album. He's on two of the tracks. He's so underrated. But you, you hear him on tracks like that, and then there's even a, an album that Fat Joe just dropped, which I don't listen to a lot of him these days, but... I'm glad Eminem? he's still alive, and I hear he's not Fat Joe. He's just Joe. He's right? just Jose now. <laughs> but there's little verses that he'll contribute to to certain songs. That's like, God damn, this guy's still got it. Mm-hmm. But then he'll make his album, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to hear you on a track with Rihanna. Like back in the day, you would have talked about her titties and fucking and like, her at the BMA like, Awards, yeah, and like. Bashing her head against the wall or something awesome. I love Rihanna separately, but uh, I I think that's kind of getting away from an aesthetic that he's not. I mean, he's he's so like well known for this like style that he's like almost created like the absurdist rapper almost. But I think that his way of looking at it is like, all right, I did that for like 20 years and like I influenced a lot of people. And now I feel like it's not the same anymore, so I want to evolve. And I get that. But, I mean, did you hear his Marshall Mathers LP2? Like, that that went back to, like, a lot of that. And, like, granted, you know, there was, like, a thing where he uh, he did a song for Call of Duty, and it was called Survival. Like, that shit's like, I mean, we all got to sell out. But, like, that's not as corny as, like, some of his newer shit, you know, where it's like, I'm so Marsh, I'm Martian. It's like, dude. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. Like, 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 get the fuck out of here with That's that. That's all sober Eminem. When I say that, I don't I don't trust uh, Eminem with black hair. <laughs> it's like, I, it just represents a sober Eminem to me. And I, I'm not saying that we can't relate. <laughs> but it's almost not the stuff I want to hear him talk about, mm-hmm. which is it's compromising because he's an older man. He's, he's in his 40s. Yeah. Uh, he has to evolve at some point. So... I guess it's more on me than him, but yeah. I love him. My my early, I have early uh, memories with him. Oh yeah, I mean, I remember hearing on the bus in like fucking elementary school, like I'm uh, like I'm back and like the real Slim Shady, like all that shit, dude. Even still hearing Offspring at the time on the radio, dude. That's how far back that was. To this day, he, I mean, he's still one of my top five rappers. Dude, he's one of the best of all time. When people say that he's not amazing, I'm like, that's stupid. Yeah, 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 I would never discredit him. But my my clinging to him was. it was almost forbidden, you know, like uh, he came out, mm-hmm. he was dropping albums when I was like in elementary school mm-hmm. and we all wanted to listen to. It. I remember uh, getting the CD or borrowing it from my cousin and sitting in a closet listening to it on my Walkman because I knew that my parents would flip if I was listening to it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, I, di- I didn't know what the fuck they were saying. There's yeah. this there's a skit where he's talking to a teacher and someone says he's got AIDS and I didn't even know it was AIDS. I was saying, I was repeating it saying, he's got eggs. <laughs> and I, I just thought like eggs are incorporated with balls. It's gotta, that's gotta be what he's talking and, about. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> that's one of the things I love about him is he was self-aware of that. And he was saying, you think you understand it, but you don't. And you really think you do at the time, but then you listen to it 15 years later. You're like, Jesus Christ, this dude had problems. Yeah. Like he, was, he was really saying some shit. Even go revisiting like the first Marshall Mathers LP and listening oh, yeah, to that man. at this age is like, fuck, should I, am I allowed to be listening to this? Dude, right now? I think that 
and I'm and I hate asking these questions, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And I'll give you a second to think about it. Favorite Eminem song, and I for me it's pretty easy. I mean, some shady, you know, song is up there, but the song Criminal, like that to me, dude. Like when I heard that, like ten years ago, and I like really started to understand it. I was like, fuck, man, this is so awesome. He's getting in trouble for expressing himself and like i studied film and they were always teaching us like guys like if people say they're offended by it and you're not you know like doing horrible serbian film shit like that's a goal you fucking won because you're just fucking putting silly or weird shit on the screen and like he was just saying words and people were getting so mad at it and calling him a criminal and man that to me like that takes the cake like the lyrics are just they're hot fire yeah. Like, I love that song. But what about you? Uh, as a kid, it, it had to have been one of the ones that was on the, the radio. I think uh, My Name Is was was huge. And I have a funny story is yeah, that yeah. that's when chat rooms were – you go on MSN.com. I'm oh, talking man. this was maybe 99, maybe 2000. I was 9 years old, 10 years old, ex- exploring chat rooms. And I remember telling another girl who – had to have been the same quote unquote girl as far as you knew yeah who knows (laughs) but i remember trying to tell people like oh yeah i'm slim i'm eminem like i I was fucking catfishing people (laughs) as eminem and while you're being catfished that's amazing exactly (laughs) someone's trying to fuck me already like i didn't need to sell them that that idea you know but i remember and and whoever was on the other end was like oh prove it so I typed out what I thought was the lyrics. Hilarious. And, you know, stuff like AIDS, eggs was in there. So it's like, how does she not? I don't. It's like, wow, you really are him talking about the eggs. Holy shit. Over easy, bro. Shit. Let's say it was a pedophile <laughs> on the other side of that. It was tasteless. He was. It, it's like it's like a. Like, not finding a girl funny, but still wanting to fuck her, you know? <laughs> I was like, I wasn't giving him the real lyrics, and he probably knew that. I'm saying he, so I'm already yeah, assuming, yeah, you're, you know? You're just accepting the truth, bro. But I'm trying to, th- I was, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, um, have you, I don't know where I saw this. It was probably, like, in a trailer for, uh, like, a little documentary on Eminem. But, you know, talk about, like, improv. Improv improvisational skills, you know, like for comedy or whatever have you, because I bet that Eminem could do stand up because of like his being able to be spontaneous, his skill. That's something that he's always had because he ingrained it in his brain. But I bring that up because in this little clip I saw, they showed him footage of him coming up with my name is. Like, Dre brought him in the studio the day he brought him in the studio. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm, I've been kicking around these beats. Here's one. And he played it and instantly Eminem was like, my name is, my name is, hi, kids. Do you like violence? Want to uh, see me stick nine-inch nails through each one of my eyelids? Like, he was just fucking doing it. I was like, bro, like, that's an instinct for you? What the shit? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that he has, I've... My parents got mad at me when I said this, but I stand by this still to this day. Uh, I think that Eminem is the Shakespeare of our time, dude. Oh, 100%. Like, I think that his just the way that he plays with words, the way that he writes, dude. I, I don't know. I Did you see the movie that he was a part of? You you might actually really like it. You, not 8 Mile, not Funny People, right? No, not those. Which I think one? he was genuinely attached. It's called Bodied. 
It was a YouTube movie. Oh, it was a rapper movie, right? Yeah. I remember which one you're talking about. No, I haven't seen it yet. You know, it's one of those movies people are, what best of the year, dude? And it's like, it's it's good, but it, it has a lot of things in it that are played out, and you know that they're not freestyling, like it's all memorized and shit. And they play it well, and like some of their lines in it are good, but like a lot of it, it's like, man, I bet that if I was there in the moment when someone was actually having a rap battle, I would have dug it. But it, it just came across, like I would give it like a solid B+. It had uh, one of the kids from uh, American Vandal in it, the kid who they talk about who got the hand job. He's the lead character. I don't know if you've... Have you seen American Vandal? No, I've had a hand job though. <laughs> so you'll be able to relate. Um, I mean, just... I guess I'll deviate into that because it's worthy of talking about, especially if you haven't heard of it. Um, dude, American Vandal is one of the best things that's on Netflix. Like, definitely get into it. Like, I thought the second season was, like, pretty good, but first season, like... You know, like, those, like, crime documentary shows that people are really into? Imagine it was about high schoolers and there was this one high schooler who was always fucking around you would recognize him if you saw him because he was out there like in the vines and shit and what happens is someone spray painted dicks on every teacher's car in the parking lot ah i know what what you're talking about now yeah and and that show like that was one of those shows that had me laughing like Right from the start, but he's in that show, this lead actor who is in uh, Bodied. Okay, I know what, it's a Disney Channel actor, right? Uh, Maybe, his name is Callum Worthy, that's him right there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. That's a really, like, smoldering picture of him. Yeah, that, that bitch-ass looking guy. Yeah, I forget what show he was on, but I remember him. So maybe you have seen some of American Vandal. That's what I know him from. But I don't watch a lot of TV, dude. There's so much out there. I remember it when it came out. It's not like a mockumentary, right? It is kind of similar to it. I would say it is definitely similar to a mockumentary just because, I mean, that's what you call like like things that are comedies, right, that are in the style of a documentary. So I would definitely, yeah, I would say it is a mockumentary. I, and I don't know about you, but I, I love that shit. Ooh, it just made me think of another movie that's worthy of putting on that list. Uh, fucking Spinal Tap. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Man, I think that that's one of those movies, like like something that's similar to Monty Python, where like you may not like some of it. Like it went over my head, but like, dude, when they talk about, yeah, um, we had to replace our drummer one day during a solo. He just he blew up, and all that was left was like this little green bit. It's called like gum. <laughs> like they show this guy drumming and just explodes. And there's like just sh- green schmutz on the chair. On my side of the tracks, we had CB4. Did you ever watch CB4? <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's like uh, it's a Chris Rock movie and okay. basically the same thing. A mockumentary about I I guess they're supposed to be like NWA. Oh, so it's a parody of that. I'm surprised that had CB4. Wow. That is definitely a parody of NWA. I mean, yeah. he looks like uh, Easy E on the front of that movie. And you, wow. the, the story is about how like a politician's trying to shut them down or get them canceled, but this politician's son, white kid, loves CB4. Oh wow! I gotta check this out. That sounds good. That's pretty good. Man, that's something. Man, I'm glad. How did we not get a remake of this yet? Yeah. That scene, like, I love how I'm looking at a picture, dude, Chris Rock is definitely dressed like Run DMC with that fucking hat and that gold chain there. Look at that. He he is ready to run those jewels, so to speak. What about them? 
throwing someone else out there from the hip hop game, Run the Jewels. Are you a fan of them? Yeah, love I, Run the Jewels. I think that Run the Jewels, like that guy LP, man. Do you know how long that guy has been going for? Yeah. My friend told me that like when he went to like Bonnaroo like 15 years ago, he said he saw LP open there, which is fucking nuts, dude. I mean, he's on, like, what is it with like these people who are established in the rap industry who have pity on a white guy? And they're like, come here. Like Dre with Eminem, then Killer Mike with LP. I need to find my like rapping black guy. I think they started as lawyers and then they're like, oh, you got, you have a <laughs> bit of an art. An art. You got a craft to you. Okay. Uh, you can rhyme, huh? Anytime, huh? But LP, yeah, he was making the rounds a couple years before him and uh, Killer Mike got together, which, by the way, Killer Mike is. He's awesome, dude. I don't know if you remember him from that one Outcast song. Which one? The Whole World. I mean, I I probably have heard it. I'm it, a big fan of Outkast. If you hear it, you'll you'll know which one it is. But I remember that's the first and only place I ever heard. <coughs> I'm sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> For a lot of years, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not gonna bleed on this. Don't. <laughs> and he he had a verse of like glitter, glisten, gloss, floss. I catch a beat running like Randy Moss. And to me, for, that's forever going to be the hardest verse because this guy was n- not known yeah. until at least 10 years after that when he started uh, putting solo stuff out and then mm. he linked up with LP. Yeah, I think that I bet he has a lot of really great stuff from back in the day, man. But there is something when the right people come together, it just brings the best out of them. Or sometimes musicians come together and it's for lack of better words, like the worst out of them. But right. like I'm thinking of a weird example of when Limp Biscuit crossed over with corn. Cause that's, that's my taste in music. I have what I call bad taste. Like I listen to all the bands who like most people hear that on the radio. They're like, Ugh. dude, Limp Biscuit was tight. Dude, bro. Was tight, man. They are one of my, favorite bands not even kidding like obviously lyrically they're fucking stupid like it's nursery rhymes but the thing is is uh what's his name Wes Borland as a guitarist the way that I describe his sound and like their band overall is you know what an exploitation film is right you know, like like Grindhouse was trying to emulate that, where it's like, bah, over the top, dits, there's blood, and like it's just like whatever is just fucking quote-unquote cool. Right. And to me, they embody exploitation films, but in the form of music. It's like, it's, it's stupid, but like, isn't this riff fucking awesome? And it's like, yeah, I think so. And another thing that made it big for me was uh, they had, I was a big wrestling fan. Ah, oh, go on, man. I, I, I'm not into man. that shit, but go ahead. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll tell you more about that. But uh, they, they did like, uh, I remember The Undertaker. You probably, I know who The Undertaker is. You know who is. The Undertaker yeah, that, is. That's iconic enough, yeah. I mean, you're, you're The on. Rock, like Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, I, I know, I know those motherfuckers. The Undertaker was out of the, w, at the time, the WWF for a while, and I remember he came back, mm-hmm. and Limp Biscuit made his theme song. Which was? Uh, Rollin'. Right, that was the one. I remember watching live footage of that song one night, like late. I was like going to bed, and then I got all amped up. I was like, "Man, they they were fucking hitting it hard back in the day." And honestly, I wish that they were as big in uh, in the U.S. as they are in Europe. Because I looked up, funny enough, like two days ago, because they're talking about touring, and I've never seen them live. And I would fucking kill to see them live. Yeah, uh, they were in Poland. And it was just like 
over 10,000 people. Like, it was just, like, all the people were screaming, like, oh, man. Those international audiences, they're so happy to see the bands. Like, when you see videos of it, even, like, with, like, less well-known, I mean, like, nowadays, like, they're pretty mainstream, like, Tech 9 like, it's weird to see footage of him going to Russia and, like, all these Russian people know the lyrics. But as far as Limp Biscuit goes, especially with WWE wrestling, I think that that whole era when they really blew up, which was around the time, uh, like, when Eminem was getting big. And I remember studying this in film school. I always thought it was interesting. Like, there's always, like, these, like, landmark pieces of media and like one of the big ones like just to name a movie really quick is like the Blair Witch that was like the first time you know something went viral and people were like oh my god you gotta go see it and it was all word of mouth but uh Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water great amazing album like Dixon Asshole Water like so genius on a level that people still don't comprehend I've always been trying to figure out what that was I knew as an adult like oh it means something Dick and asshole water. Like, it's stupid, dude. Like, if you look at those chocolate starfish on the cover, they have buttholes. Like, literally in that song, Fuck You, or whatever it's called, or Hot Dog, he, he says, Kiss my starfish, my chocolate starfish. He's saying, Kiss my ass. You know? Uh, yeah, that's like, that like it, That's why I like that song, man. And, like, it is silly and, like, maybe even to some degree bad. But that, my whole point was, that was one of the first albums to, like, sell a million hit or CDs on like, you know, MTV total takeover. And like, it was weird because that wasn't like, you know, a pop genre album, but like that was when, that was when it wasn't normal for them to like mass, like throw out their advertising. And like now everything does that dude. Like I see fucking YouTubers having like billboards and like all their shit everywhere. But yeah, but like back in the day, Chocolate Starfish, Hot Dog Flavored Water, that was, like, one of the big albums. And it was, that was also at peak time, I think, for uh, WWE Wrestling when they, before they had, like, a little bit of a a downfall, I think. I think they're on the up and up a little bit, but uh, they're more moving towards other things. And there's other wrestling things, right? I Look, dude, I really love theater. I'm one of those people, I think musical theater is the greatest form of entertainment. Dude, motherfuckers are telling me a story, they're singing, there's costumes bro like the sets look amazing like i think that is as good as it can fucking get but wrestling to me dude it's just it's too fucking silly i i cannot watch these dudes in their underwear yell at each other greased up not anymore not anymore i did real quick just uh you said all that was around the same era coincidentally i had four cds i had one walkman (laughs) and you know we used to buy cds one of them was uh i think I don't know if it was the Slim Shady LP or the Marshall Mathers, but one of those. Ones. It was an Eminem one. Uh, it was Limp Biscuit, uh, Chocolate Starfish, Hot Dog Flavored Water, mm-hmm. and I had WWF Volume Four Entry Themes, which w- had just came out. Entry Themes. And the fourth one was either Outcast, Stankonia, or a Now Now Five album, but. You said all that came around the, the same era. It's funny because I had that Limp Bizkit, the Eminem, and the WWF, and I would spin that shit. Man, uh, MTV made sure that everyone and their mama had a copy of that album, dude. Uh, but oh, what was I just going to say? Oh, the WWE uh, wrestling music. There is some really interesting examples out there. Do you remember, uh, I think it was about a year ago, people were talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson 
being a contender for running for president, no pun intended. Mm. Uh, have you ever heard any of the music he made when he was with WWE Wrestling? Yeah. Uh, he has a song about cherry pie. You know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah. Dude, to quote his lyrics, he, he talks about a, a Chinese woman and he goes, quote, ching chong, ching, ching chong. Yeah, he made a yikes face because, youch, like, someone please don't isolate that and that, make me sound that, horrible. That's but. not going to age well, but at the time he could have done anything. I mean, the thing that's funny is he could still kind of do anything. I I don't fuck. think he, like, I mean, he can do anything in the way, like, he's huge enough that, like, he can probably bounce back from it literally and metaphorically, but I don't know, man. I, I feel like his career... Like, if that hasn't hurt him already, like, I, I don't think it ever will. I have not watched a rock movie for since the rundown. Really? Yeah, I just, I, I can't. I, like, as a wrestler, really? uh, I, I loved him. I idolized him. But as an actor, it's like, dude, you're playing The Rock in every movie. I've seen you wear five different jungle suits. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, he's, I, he's making too many jungle movies. Too it's many. Weird. You got Rampage. You got... I'm not going to name them because then you can be like, oh, then I'm just a hater. It's like you don't watch the movies, but you know all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Jumanji, Jumanji 2, yeah. uh, Jungle Cruise. What was the, there was one uh, there was one point I wanted to make about The Rock because I think that, oh, the movie I wanted to mention was The Rundown was all right. That's with Sean William Scott, right? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the movie Faster? Have you seen that one? It's not part of the Fast series, is it? No, 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 no. This is, uh, what's it called? It's with The Rock, and he has, like, a fancy car. And and uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, Billy Bob Thornton is, like, a heroin addict, like, former cop or something. Mm. And it's it's kind of like a dumber version of Drive. Like, all I remember is when I saw this, I it was, I think it was, like, one of the last movies I rented from Blockbuster. And I remember watching it. I was like, this is fucking sweet, man. There's all these great car chases. The Rock is going to be a star, and... Sure enough, I mean, the rest is history. But I think that he's kind of on a downward slope right now. I think that he does have some acting chops. And I think, you know, like, I mean, I give him all the credit because, like, he's got that work ethic for sure. But, dude, Skyscraper was horrible. That was made for China, bro. Can like, I tell you a story about The Rock? Uh, this is how much I idolize him. I remember he, he put out a book when he was at the height of his mm-hmm. WWF career. What was it called? The Rock says. <laughs> I still have next time I see you I'm going to I'm going to bring that I I still sure. have that book. Uh height of it was maybe 2000 2001. Mm-hmm. I was 10 11 years old and my mom knew how much that meant to me. She bought me the book and then one day she says, "Hey, The Rock is going to be a, be doing a signing oh, at a shit. Barnes and Noble at so and so location." Mm-hmm. I said, "We got to go." We've got to go. There's no question. Like, I I can't miss this. Dude, and what was weird is I didn't know that they were pre-recording shows. It was on a Thursday, and Thursday night was a night that they usually did SmackDown. So when I told kids that I went to go see a rock signing, they're like, you're full of shit. He was on the show last night. You weren't there. Mm-hmm. But here's the story is that the line was too long. I didn't end up getting in there to meet him. Mm-hmm. But I remember that. Even back then, he was so fucking huge. Dude. Oh, dude, he was fucking... If, if he would wrestle again and just devote himself to wrestling, I would watch wrestling again. Damn. But get this. So on his way out, a bunch of fans crowded by the sure. back door where his limo was at. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember thinking, I didn't get to meet him, but this is it. I might just. Maybe a thousand fans out there. This dude busts through the door like if he was uh, coming out. He was making his way to the ring. Yeah. <laughs> and walked to his limo. And I remember grabbing on to the first. He was wearing a leather jacket. So I saw someone wearing a leather jacket in front of me. And I just hugged the shit out of that person thinking, this is it. I'm a kid. I'm crying, whatever. And then I back up and I realize like, oh, fuck, it was a security. <laughs> but I'm still going to tell the story that I hugged the rock. Yeah, dude. And that, as, as a kid, it's just like there was a lot of imagination that went into that. And it was just it was a glorious moment for me, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mentioned this on one of my previous episodes. I hope you go check it out on A Little Fire Burning, where my podcast is now hosted. Hell yeah. yeah Sorry dude. to bother you. Yeah. <laughs> it was A Little Fire Burning. Yeah. Damn right, man. But I mentioned this when I was talking to my buddy Christian. Hopefully you'll meet him. He's a comic book writer. And he was talking to me about, you know, like his experience of doing that. And I was telling him about doing background. And one of my most successful background jobs was on Ballers. And I I was a stand-in on that. I got I got bumped up that day. I was a stand-in for the Coca-Cola rep, who sadly was only in one fucking episode. Because when they said that to me, I was like hyperventilating through my nose. I was like, huh, did I just find a job? I'm hanging on. I want to talk to people. Huh, I'm on set. And then The Rock walked in, dude. And he wa- I didn't get to talk to him, but he walked right by me. It, it's the closest I think I'll ever get to the Hulk, dude. Like, he looks like the Hulk mid-transformation. Like, monster, dude. I'll never forget seeing his assistant, Strawberry Smoothie, on a fucking platter, holding an umbrella. This woman is, like, half the size of him, holding an umbrella that's taller than her, dude. Uh. That's that baller status. But I really think that he's definitely to the point now where it's like, okay, you're you're overdoing it. Like, you're doing too many movies. And, and that's the thing about even something like you briefly mentioned, Rampage, dude. Rampage, that that was almost good. And then, it like, ha- like 20 minutes before it ended, they're like, no, 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 no. This is terrible. We'll show you. Let me shoot the rock in the stomach and he'll live. What? Yeah. That, I mean, you got to have stakes in your movie, right? Not not even those good kind of steaks. Like, yeah, they're really yeah. like, oh, that's kind of whack steaks. But, um... One thing I want to mention, and we didn't talk about basketball at all, and when I I mentioned, like, uh, I was talking to a buddy, and I know this is, like, one of those things, like, where I try to keep this fun and lighthearted, and I still want to keep it like that, but I tried to bring up the day after Kobe died to my friend who, he's not into sports at all, and neither am I, and there's, ooh, there's another sports thing I want to mention that maybe I'll bring up, but I, I want to talk about this because I know you're into basketball. Ah, oh, big fan. Yeah, and, like, when I mentioned to my buddy, like, I wanted to ask him like about Kobe. He's like, yeah, it's a big influence. And it was like, but what about star Wars? And I was like, all right. And we just, we talked about that shit because he just didn't know anything. And, and I'm in that position too, man. So I just want to ask like, like how, how has this been treating you? Cause it's, it's been weird like going through this. Cause it's one of those things where I, I understand, I respect him. And like, I've even like, I've dabbled in some of his stuff that he did like before he passed, like he was involved in a podcast he was doing and something I recommend you check out, and I bet you'll probably like it. It'll bring a smile to your face. This show I follow on YouTube called Good Mythical Morning, they they get absurd amount of views. Like, I don't know how it happened, but they had Kobe come on, and they tried Kobe beef with him. Mm. And it was, it was just, like, funny to watch them do something silly like that. But being in L.A., like, somewhere like, like an icon who, like, represents, a, you know, a city like this, and just 
having that weird thing in your head, because I was telling someone, I wasn't on mic saying this, but I was saying, you know, when I imagine the timeline, you know, of my future, it's like, all right, like I'll marry like a model and like I'll have a mansion by this year. Like never on there. I was like, all right. And Kobe's going to die. You know, like that's just one of those things. It's like it's like stop the press. Like literally it's like how how does something like this even happen you know not you not even the press i think la has been on pause for the past couple it's been a rough week yeah first of all um i i ride the train as you mentioned and uh maybe yesterday and the day before combined i've seen 10 different people in different parts of the city Mm -hmm. crying and nobody's batting an eye nobody's looking at this person weird everyone just kind of understands and that that the feeling of of unity Mm -hmm. or like this city's ability to feel together is amazing because everything we feel we feel at an extreme level but we know that we feel it together Mm -hmm. whether it's winning and rioting together (laughs) yeah yeah or or lose it, triumph or loss, you know? Yeah, and you know, someone mentioned this, and it's because, you know, that other side of the coin that I'll briefly mention of people, you know, going like, oh, he had all this history and all this stuff. And and the, my whole thing that I kind of agree with, it's like, you know, there's lots of people who suffer and, like, we never hear about it. But to someone's credit, they're like, yeah, but, you know, that person who's suffering, did they score 81 points in one game? You know, like, there's, there's a reason why we will remember Kobe. And, like, I think just the influence he's had on this city, I think it's gonna like just be multiplied now like like i really think that uh, and i I think it's cool also how even some of these big corporations are respecting that like did you hear what nike's doing yeah you mean about halting the the sales of his that's Mm -hmm. amazing yeah i think that's really cool that they're like not letting people sell out and like really like market the shit out of his stuff where they really could and like that i think that's like their humble way of doing that because like they're taking them off the stores offline or online you know they're not crazy but just being able to show some level of respect for that and and i like what uh people are saying uh about changing the logo have you heard about that i'm curious what you think of that i've heard about that i don't i mean i feel like anything that's iconic shouldn't be touched i i I like that everyone's trying to honor him but Mm -hmm. This NBA logo that we have now, the Jerry West silhouette, is that's iconic in itself. It, it is iconic, and I think that some of the pictures people were trying to switch with Kobe, I was like, there's got to be a better one. Yeah, right? 100%. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious you say that. Yeah, this, like, dude, that's that's the pose. You know, like, I. It's like his arm looks fucking weird in the silhouette. And, I, and the one thing I don't agree with is changing the colors. It's like, bro. red white and blue for these sports like mlb like the soccer like basketball like they all need that shit you know what i mean like just keep it like that but i think a lot of players are doing their own respect thing by if they're wearing number eight or 24 they're switching their numbers and i know a couple teams have retired the number 24 i'm super ignorant um why both of the numbers like 24 was his number right he wore number eight for maybe the first 10 years of his career like college included uh no he actually skipped college he didn't go to college which was yeah just makes his story that much more amazing he was literally that much of a baller yeah he he went straight from high school to to nba but uh for the first few years of his career he wore number eight and Mm -hmm. he had a the issue Mm -hmm. uh and he sought the the issue 
we know what the issue is. We'll I, we'll get to that later. Okay. You know the big controversy that still surrounds him. Or oh right 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 right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, after that he went through a bit of a reinvention. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Can I can I talk about Kobe talk, for a bit? Yeah, that's why I asked, man, because you would know and I don't, and I don't want to say anything where people go like, man, fuck you. Because like the other day I made a joke about you know Lincoln Park in front of some people, and that happened a year ago, and it's like, bro, like if I can't joke about that, like come on, man. Yeah. Like and and I think that there was one joke I read about Kobe dying that I was like, okay, that guy gets a pass because it was clever. Mm. Kobe passing? I don't believe it. That's I know who you're talking about. and That's clever, dude. And and it's also respectful, and it's tongue-in-cheek in a way that's not being a jerk. You know what the compromising thing about that is, is that I have a lot of respect for this comedian. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... I wouldn't say that we have a relationship personally. Not yet, but you will. But uh, he he is one of the bigger comedians that follows me on on Instagram. Okay. And I mean, you know, you know what he did for me as well. He uh, in my first year, he brought me onto the show. Who? Which comedian? Ah, shit. You don't remember his name, or you don't? I know, I know his name, and you know his name. Oh, you're talking about the guy who said the shitty thing. No, the the one that you said about Kobe passing. Oh, okay, that I, guy. Yeah, I can't believe it. Um, but there's a brotherhood in that where, like, even the guy that said the shitty thing, I already mentioned his name yeah. earlier. Uh, as comedians, there's a code where we kind of don't hang each other out to dry, you know. Which is why it makes me mad that people would voice their support for Ari, mm-hmm. because just just as upset. And furiated as I was by the comments, mm-hmm. I haven't commented negative on the ne- negative on on it because it's kind of a thing where it's like I don't have to say anything, you know? Yeah, people will tell him. Like in the case of Louis C.K., you know how it goes with comedians. Sure, people ask us all the time, like if we know Louis C.K., hey, what do you think about shit like that? And you it's know, complicated. You know a good comedian when their answer is, I don't know shit, talk to Louie. Yeah, right. We can all take that that route. So when there's other comedians voicing their support for Ari, mm-hmm. it's like we, you have the option to not say anything. Just like I'm not going to say anything negative about I mean, him. I'll be honest with you, man. I had issues with Ari Shafir since like 2012, bro. He made what is considered one of the worst movies of the last decade and all time, dude. Like, and he even, like, took that character from his YouTube days that I thought was, like, kind of funny. Like, I remember when I was, like, 15 years old or whatever, I saw a YouTube video of this guy dressed like a Klansman, went somewhere in the hood with a giant wooden cross, and he and he called himself the Amazing Racist. And he went up, he's like, hey, uh, you guys got any lighters? I'm trying to hold an event. And, like trolling like i like i'm a big fan of sasha baron cohen like i was like all right i see i see elements of that but at the same time when he did inappropriate comedy that was like jesus christ this is way too fucking far like this is this is awful we forgot about that for a lot of years someone brought that up and i i should hate ari shafir but again i mean he's he's Running into his own walls there, you know? So I, I'm not yeah. going to hang him out to dry or say anything negative about him. And But that movie sucks, but continue. Yeah. So, I mean, just, like I'm saying, like ju- just as much as 
I can hold my tongue from saying anything negative. Uh, people don't have to be there to support him. That, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like, I mean, he's done shitty things before. Like, people have been talking like, oh, I can't believe he said that. It's like, this guy is known for drugging people. Right. Like, the whole thing with, I'm sure you've heard about how he gave Burt Kreischer Molly. Right, right. It's like, dude, like, you're a jerk and trying to talk about how Molly's not that bad for you. It's like, bro, I just want to crack your spine and then watch you just roll on the ground and kick you in the head, bro. Yeah. In a friendly and supportive way. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I just... I don't I don't approve, but I'm not going to voice my discontent either. It's it's one of those things where like comedy is all about taking a risk. And that was a very poorly calculated risk. You know, like the whole the passing joke that at least like that's trying something in a way that's not crossing the line. And Ari Shafir is just like he was taking way too much of that white woman energy and running with it. But. Mm. We're running a bit long. This is one of the longest podcasts I've recorded on the No Friends podcast. It's exciting. We're going to go overtime, man, because I still haven't talked to you about about Kobe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, tell me about that before I I bring up something silly. So as as a native of L.A. Sorry, someone's blowing up my phone. No, it's all good. Uh, as a native of L.A., uh, we talked about those things that were going on between 2000, 2001, like all the stuff that influenced me. Mm-hmm. And I was 10 years old when the Lakers first won their championship. Yeah, and you were here for all that. Yeah. I was here for all of it. And uh, I've had friends, you know, who, who who try and make jokes of it, may, try to make light of it. And I had to explain to them that it's stupid for me to tell you, hey, don't joke on that. Because sports, what that's so dumb, you know. They're I, playing I, a children's game. I had no, I had no connection, to, no personal connection to Kobe. But the way that I explain that is, there's a lot of stories of imagination and uh, oh, shit and, and childlike innocence mm-hmm. that we can say to that. You know, I have a bit that I've been working recently about how about a kid that I knew in elementary school and we in elementary we didn't know how to be racist <laughs> so instead we were classist. You remember that like kids yeah, calling each like, other oh, poor and stuff like man, that? Man, dude, kids still do that today. Uh, I want so I don't want to get you off topic but it's a thing dude where like, "Oh, you don't have that skin for Fortnite?" <laughs> Loser. It's so stupid it's because weird, it's not man. like we could read more books to get our parents more money, you know. <laughs> and we all look like each other so it's not like we can yeah. call each other out for race. But the truth is that uh, we were all poor. We mm-hmm. were all broke. And I was the one kid who was fortunate enough to to go to Laker games as a kid. Oh, right on. So you saw Shaq and Kobe Dude. on the court. Wow, yeah. It, it, it didn't register then, but now it's an iconic thing. Oh, yeah, dude. I, saw, I mean, I'm from D.C. Dude, I saw Michael Jordan sitting on the bench of the Wizards, and I was speechless. That's awesome. <laughs> like, he's just fucking sitting there in a suit, and I'm like, it's it's a god. Because, <laughs> like, I was talking, uh, one of the other things I was talking to my friends about, like, people who are on that, who are athletes who are on that level that Kobe's at. And honestly, the only other person that I could really come up with, and it sounds like a joke, but I'm not kidding, dude, Tony Hawk. Oh, yeah. Like, he is synonymous with his uh, brand, which is skateboarding. And Kobe, I mean, I can tell you there is going to be a new line of shoes. There's going to be a new line of basketballs because, like, it's it's nuts, dude. I mean, I saw, uh, like, how many murals have you seen for Kobe going up? Oh, and that was before he even died. You 
you go through East LA, Boyle Heights, and it's mm-hmm. Selena and Kobe everywhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Tupac one. Yeah. Tupac's <laughs> yeah. my favorite Mexican rapper, by the way. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, so I was saying is that I was one of the few kids who was fortunate to go to Laker games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was sitting up in the nosebleeds, which means that we weren't doing any better than anybody. But after this, this the passing of him, it just put into perspective that my mom was bending over backwards just to get me in the building because she knew how much that meant to me as a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's important when you're growing up to like be able to see someone and be like, wow, like that's, that's amazing. I hope I can kind of be like that one day. Dude, especially because, so she, she always felt like she had to feed that imagination. She mm-hmm. had to feed that love. She knew that I love 10 years old. I love basketball. Mm-hmm. So, ah, shit. What was I going to say? Hang on. Let me, let me, gather, let me catch gather, what I'm saying. Yeah. Here. Gather your thoughts, dude. So, so she made that happen for me. Mm-hmm. And then I remember my dad, we, they live separate places. So I would, I would live with my dad for a time and my mom and my dad's always been a macho Mexican man. He, I've rarely ever seen him cry, but I remember the, the time that they won that first championship mm-hmm. and I was there and I was, I wanted to cry so bad. I was, I was at You're home like, watching man, it. Man, I can't. Yeah, I was at home watching it. They just beat Indiana, the Indiana Pacers, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this is this is such a beautiful feeling for me as a kid." And he walked in. He goes, "You want to cry, huh?" And I was like, "Nah, man. What the fuck? No. What do you? What do you? What do you cry? I'm not a girl." But that was the first time that my dad told me it was okay to cry. Wow, dude. That's that's a big thing. I don't think a lot of people, they have that moment with their parents, you know? A lot of people miss it, and it's cool that you found a way, like, that's something that inspired you to be the person you are today that is that's connected to, so deeply to him, and, like, it affected your relationship with your parents. That is cool. Now, I can I can see why he is, he's so important to you. They, they just understood you know my mm-hmm. my parents understood and him him giving me that pass to cry is just wow you're you're stepping over an identity that you built for yourself mm-hmm. to be able to tell me that it's okay for me to do the opposite mm-hmm. so i thought that was cool and just just knowing kobe is like all right our parents would always tell us hey work hard put your mind to anything and mm-hmm. you can do it yeah find your passion but our parents are working warehouse jobs and stuff like that. So when it comes from them as a kid, we don't know what that means, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you got this guy that Who's comes out. God. Yeah. And his his man. You ask where that work ethic comes from. And this is where it comes from is we have this guy that's as close to a superhero for our community as we've ever experienced. Yeah, he's I mean, Shaq literally has a Superman tattoo like he is a Superman. So his his whole idea, Kobe's, was if you work hard mm-hmm. and you put your mind to it, you can do anything. And that was the first example that we were able to see. We don't go to par- to work with our parents. Mm-hmm. So to see that, yeah, it's true. We see how much this guy's in the gym and he can play basketball and make baskets at will. Yeah. That was so inspiring to us, man. That was that was like, damn, that makes us value our parents more these days Mm -hmm. that work ethic the the thought that if i get on stage enough times this year 
it'll make me feel more comfortable. It, I mean, that's just science, bro. It's just something that, I mean, a lot of people who come to L.A., natives specifically, like, it's ingrained in us. People talk about the Mamba mentality, and we don't always address it as that exactly. Mm. But we think that, that we're the greatest at what we do. In my head... Mm-hmm. Because you need that, right? Yeah, dude. Everyone has some sort of sense of ego. Otherwise, you're just gonna feel like shit. Like you have to be like, all right. Like I don't think I'm the best person ever live, and I don't have abs, but I can, you know, do an impression of Goofy. Like I can, like I know that I can. <laughs> yuck. <laughs> like that's my new bit that I've been doing recently. I talk about Goofy not believing in the Holocaust, but that's a story for another time. That's a sto- yeah. We'll talk about it, but um. I don't. I, I think it's important to not project that thought, but you definitely have to walk into the gym knowing that, thinking, hey, I'm whether I'm playing basketball or doing comedy. In my head, it's like I'm the best person in this room right now. I will never project that onto anybody else. For sure. I I, I love being a, a approachable, personable person, but that's where it comes from yeah and you know you say going to the gym but whether that gym is a stage or is like your notepad like it's all about getting that whoever the fuck said it that ten thousand hours and i bet you that kobe by the time he went pro at that young ass age he had 10 plus thousand hours of that fucking ball in his hand and, like, the thing about him that even inspires me that, like, affected me is I remember, dude, a couple years ago, he won an Oscar. Like, something that when I was growing up, dude, I wanted to be the youngest person to win an Oscar. I was like, oh, this thing is so yeah. special. And then, like, you know, like, a few years ago, like, it really, like, dawned on me. I was like, dude, this does not mean shit. Like, right. it's, it's so fake. Like, I don't even want to get into, like, Suicide Squad winning an Oscar. Like, the thing that pushed me over the edge, dude was the Queen movie. Like, them blatantly buying that award, or all the awards they got. And I never once thought that about Kobe, because he has that same exact clout, where he could have just, like, made a decent or, like, just passable animated, you know, short or whatever, and then they gave him the Oscar because he paid people off. But it never came across like that. It came across that he found people who were passionate. He also hired, I think, John Williams. So, like, you got some decent people to make the music, to say the least. But... I mean, he took that whole work ethic and he ran with it. And it was, you know, when when passion is there, it'll shine through. I always feel like. And and that goes to like when you really know what you're doing when you're in your thing, whether it be comedy or it be basketball. Like if you're confident, that will do a lot. But to get to that place to be confident, that's the whole fucking journey. Oh, you have to be putting willing to put in the hours and you have to tell yourself in your head. I'm the best person here, as I mentioned, because that kind of gives you a level to uphold yourself to. It's like, I can't leave now until that I prove until I prove that I'm willing to work hard enough to be that. And it's funny, like, I'm curious what you think about this, because you have like a different experience than I do of starting comedy. But for me, man, like I thought I was up here. And I thought, like, I was like, fuck, like, I had my breakthrough when I was college acting. Like, I know how to perform. But then, like, you come out here and it kind of knocks the legs out from under you where it's like, yo, like, it doesn't matter. Everything you think you can do, there's someone who can do it that much better. Right. Who's on that level. And you have to balance that that pep talk that you have with yourself in your head with also reality. Yeah. 
which is why I don't project any of that. I know for a fact that I haven't even tapped my full potential as for a comedian. Sure. I mean, to find your comedic voice, like, that is just... Like, I mean, we mentioned Fahim Anwar, and the reason why I think you probably... I mean, why we both aspire to be like him is it genuinely feels like when you're watching him, less that, like, you know, like the whole thing, at least that I think about these days, of, like, all right, set up, uh, premise, set up, punchline, you know, tag. It's, like, ingrained in my head. When I'm watching him, I, I feel, I truly feel like that that moment at the party where, like, you're just talking to people and, like, people are joking around, you know? And, like, they're just telling goofy-ass stories. And and that's where the magic comes from, you know? Like, where, I mean, I bet if you could ask Kobe today, like, most of those games when he was, like, scoring all those points, he was like, you know, I was just, I was just playing, you just know? Playing, yeah. yeah, I was just doing my thing. And, and honestly, like, that's where I think, like, in a weird way, comedy has that similar mentality because the days where I try my hardest is when I fail the hardest. Yeah. Like it, it's so strange. Bec- and, and again, going back to fucking basketball, you know, Kanye or, Oh my God, fuck me for even saying that. But Kobe, when he would go out there, wasn't thinking like, all right, we were running these drills and these plays were like this. He's like, no nah, man, like there's the court. Here's how the game is played. And I'm going to trust my instinct. And that's what I truly am trying to just get in love with that silence, you know, and like being okay with that because like, and that's why I think it's important to go see these people who are, you know, like legends for lack of better word, like seeing someone like Fahim Anwar and like just being able to see him control the room and be like, damn, like it's, it's was silent for like 30 seconds. Like, cause in my head when I'm up there, I'm like, fuck, I said more than three sentences and I haven't said a punchline. Like, this is fucking wrong. It's very necessary to the process to fail because uh, it, if you're not failing, you almost feel like you're stealing. If you if you start off on a winning streak, y- your biggest fear is failing one time. You exactly. Know? Whereas if you get all that failure out of your system early, it's like, oh, this is what success feels. It just, I mean, some people they're more. I think the put it in a funny way some people just fail more than others Uh, you know and and i think that on that spectrum i would say that i'm one of those people who's not putting as much work as i could into it like as in like genuinely getting up there and practicing because i'll tell you right now like i'm writing all the time like i'm just like to a point where i get sick of it like multiple times writing my notebook i would reread something i'd write a note like oh by the way i fucking hate this like i hate what i just spent like three hours writing yeah but some people it's that's why stand-up is such a bizarre art form is i mean just like sports in a way it's like some people just naturally like their brain clicks with something you know and i think you're one of those clicky people man you got one of those good stand-up brains you think good dude thanks man (laughs) real quick uh before we wrap up i told you a rock story from when i was a kid can i tell you a kobe story please and then uh, I got one more thing I want to ask you about, but yeah. go ahead. Hell yeah. Uh, I remember, so you do remember Kobe with the fro, right? Yeah. That was early in his career. In yeah, he, put that as the NBA logo. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. Uh, I was such a big I was eight years old maybe before mm-hmm. they were winning championships, and he had a fro. He was new to the league. Mm-hmm. And my brother took me to get a haircut one time, and the lady asked me, how do you want your haircut? Mm-hmm. I said, give me the Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> My hair was shorter than what it was already. I didn't know what I was expecting her to do. I didn't know if I needed a perm. I didn't know if she was had uh, to put uh. some hair on my head. But I was dead set on getting a Kobe fro. 
as a little Mexican kid. It was, you know, it's funny. You know what my mom would tell me to make me relax when I would get a haircut? She would look at the the haircutter and be like, "Give him the Batman." And I'd be like, "Oh fuck yeah! Like that's legit." I'm gonna look like fucking Bruce that's Wayne, so bro. Fucking tight. <laughs> and then I would walk out with a fucking mushroom cut, you know, <laughs> looking like a proper '90s kid jacket, billion dollar mushroom haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like that shit that Mario would need to jump on top of. But just segueing again, and I think because I, you know something about uh, football. You a football-y fan? I'm not a big football fan, but actually. You know, you know some things of the footing balls. Um, you know what starts in two weeks? What? The XFL oh, is shit. back, <laughs> And I don't like football, but I... I'm really curious about this because what's the name of the guy who's fucking crazy in the WWE who owns it? Vince McMahon. Yeah, Vince McMahon is going to be at football games, dude. And that is money. And do you know what the difference are in the rules? Like, it's not just blitz every time. I remember back in the day there was like no fair catches or something like that. Dude, two forward passes is legal. Oh, so you got to run the ball most of the time, is that? No, you can throw the ball twice is what I'm saying. Like, that's legal for the XFL. Oh, shit. So you could pass it to a receiver, and they could pass it to a different receiver. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, shit like that, like, just makes me think, like, this is going to be nuts. So, tickets are $20. I was just curious what you thought of that whole thing. Do you think the XFL is going to be big? I think we're going to have a repeat of the first time around. Yeah, you think it's just going to die? I don't know, man. I think football is big enough. Our country is dumb enough uh, that it'll keep going. But uh, I really got to pee, dude. That's yeah. why I'm moving a lot. Me but too. Uh, uh, thanks so much, man, for coming on. We'll do this again sometime, and maybe we'll talk about the XFL. Hell yeah. Uh, sounds thanks good. Thanks for having me, bro. No, anytime, dude. Thanks for being a friend. Mm -hmm. And this has been the No Friends Podcast. Oh, bye bye. Look up our Instagram, No Friends Podcast. Follow me on Instagram. Go ahead and plug yourself. I'm at Treehouse Franklin, one word. All right. And I'm at H E M M E N D I N G E R on Instagram. I can't think I got a pee. Goodbye. Thanks for being my friend. Bye.